Spags, it's time for another splash play doubleheader. You and me battling it in the Best Ball Mania Four Streets for $3 million. No better place to stream against your pal. Of course, both of us drafting teams together at BBM4. And Pete, I am honored today because I get to take the place of a cartoon duck with a cup of coffee who I have more questions about, Pete, than you're possibly prepared for. I, I'm, I'm here to answer them. I'm an open book. What? Uh, it seems pretty straightforward to me, but uh, happy to... Yeah, if you're struggling with it, I'll definitely help you out. Question number one, uh, what's the duck's name is what I have. Or or here's the side question. Is it like Duck Pete? Because he's got the backwards hat. He's got a little bit of a, he's in shape. He's got a coffee mug. I, those are the two things that went through my brain first. I Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't named him yet. I think you're the only one that is, you know, had a hard time falling in love with him because you don't know the name. I kind of like him being an avatar that you can just project whatever you want onto him. So, yeah, if you want to call someone in the comments, I think called him Bill. Um, I don't know why, but yeah, he's a, he can be whatever you want him to be. Bill, the, the best ball breakfast duck feels a little bit wordy. Coffee, the duck, maybe uh pourry, the cup. The I think we could come up with something a little more, a little more steamy. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll workshop it for you and I'll come back Spag, so you can have a name. Okay. I appreciate that here. Of course, this is the usual best ball breakfast timing, but is a splash play and a Pete reminder to your banner as well. This is number 38 for you. 39. Uh, that's actually good. Let me double check. Cause I did one on ETR yesterday. So I just mm. have to remember. Yeah, this will be 39. That's right, so number 39 here. You're closing in on 40. Uh, is this pace? We're about in line with where you expected. Are you getting a little sweats here that you got to crank up the stream output? Um, I haven't done the exact math, but I feel like I'm on a pretty good pace. Um, and I haven't, I haven't even pulled a couple levers. I'm going to pull, I'm going to start mixing in a couple underdog cardio club drafts. So maybe on the weekend, I might just like do one where I just like run for, uh, an hour and a half on my new, uh, treadmill desk while, while drafting. So we might be doing some stuff like that. And then I can always add uh, a little marathon stream if I really need to chip away at it, but I feel like I'm going on a good pace. Speaking of a good pace, I'm not on a great pace of Jamar Chase so far. I am under the doctor prescribed 8% that everybody else in the field will have or the overall field will have. Uh, so I am going to take Jamar Chase here at the two hole. And Pete, you are not even on my screen. So I presume you are drafting late on the board once again. Yeah, 110, I believe. Someone in the comments said they feel like I'm getting all the late slots lately. It does feel like that a little bit. Um, do I write this room? This room seems I recognize our guy, John Kelly, MMA. Uh, thought leader here from the 11 hole. This doesn't seem like quite the friends and family draft we're used to. Yeah, I think we did keep it pretty uh, on the QT here. Pete and I got in right before the stream. And of course, if you are ever trying to draft with us, normally we're hopping in about a minute before the stream starts. So that's the best way to do that. Uh, but definitely a unique room here. So maybe some values, maybe some RB pigs in the room, Pete. Maybe you, you actually get to make some good picks in the 10 hole. You know, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. Like the team I did with, uh, I drafted with Herzig on ETR yesterday. And that room was like, unlike any of my other rooms, we got this true zero RB room where we had a Lamar team that we were able to just super cleanly double stack with Bateman and Zay Flowers, like all the zero running back targets were there. Other than someone sniping us on Brock Purdy, it was a very clean draft. And so, you know, sometimes it's nice to not be bum hunted and uh, draft with some randos. Uh, you almost had AJ Brown falling to you, but are you going to take the Bijan bullet here? I'm not actually. I you can see here I'm like weirdly light on CD Lamb uh, for no specific reason. Just has not fallen to me uh, where I draft. So I'm going to go ahead and grab uh, CD Lamb here. 
Okay, they're definitely not a, a bad pickup there. Certainly, C.D. Lamb, a guy that it stands to hold his role, even though Dallas is probably going to be a little bit more of a a run heavy, maybe slog it out team. Uh, did briefly link them to DeAndre Hopkins. Some of the reports out there, but it doesn't seem like that's the most likely given their cap situation. And in fact, they already got Brandon Cooks. Uh, but there goes Devontae Adams. I, this room can go either way for me, Pete. I feel like I've seen some running back pig rooms lately because of more casuals coming in. And there's a guy, Pete, who chases me around in every stream we do, pointing out with a Denny Carter-style zero RB me. I'm like, these running backs aren't going to be quite enough to get there. And it's like, I think that's where we are in draft season is people really loving their running backs and not knowing the best ball structure that you talk about so much. I know. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Hertzik posted our zero RB team we drafted. I think Devin A chain was our first running back at like pick 116 or something. And uh, scrolling through some of the comments, uh, it was nice to be taken back to uh, people who are shocked that you would uh, you would go zero RB. We just these rookies. I mean, how are you going to have any running back production available? Um, I'm going to grab uh, Jalen Waddle here. Because I don't have a lot of CeeDee Lamb, I know for sure I do not have any CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddle team. So that feels like a fun combo. If if uh, Monroe St. Brown had fallen there, would you have taken him at 15, even though that is a chalk correlation, as you've pointed out before? Yeah, I think I would have. Yeah. And I, I was listening. Uh, Eric Beinfor and Pat Crane have been doing a podcast together, and they were kind of talking through it and it is one of those things too they made the point you know we joke about it uh being a chalk combo but it's like a chalk combo in our very very hyper specific niche neck of the woods you know where the majority of drafters and there are just so many different ways to get unique the lesson for me is not avoid amon ross st brown cd lamb the lesson is just make sure that you're not forgetting there are other ways to stack up that game. And you're going to want other permutations of that. You're going to want a CeeDee Lamb with a Jameer Gibbs. You're going to want an Amon Ra with a Tony Pollard. Like kind of thinking through those angles. So it's the easiest and comfiest of that game to stack up just because the ADPs are directly correlated. Um, so that's that's my only note with it. I don't think it's bad though. Yeah, and the high upside wide receiver one correlation is always going to be the ones that give you the biggest ceiling. So that's something that uh, certainly is there, but it, everybody knows about that for the most part. So there are ways to get different. And I I definitely have taken some CD Lamb, Jamar, uh, Jameer Gibbs combinations. I think that's a pretty nice one to get to. That gets you uh, a little bit different there. Um, I'm kind of curious, Pete, about people also asking 0% Chubb. So Bimefor did an article, and this is going to be the Eric Bimefor hour, I guess, to start it off here, writing about how even 0RB guys like you and me who really do love 0RB builds get tempted by the second round running backs, get tempted by a falling Tony Pollard and all of that. Have you found yourself kind of having to mentally go, hey, yeah, I do love 0RB builds and want to force my way to them more because that's been a big focus for me over the last week and a half. Sorry, say that uh, part again. I was responding to a comment in the chat. Just because of the running back um, yeah. pockets being a little more plentiful and even appealing to zero RB guys, are you finding yourself that you kind of have to force yourself to be more zero RB this year? Well, yeah. And again, I keep, I always have to offer the caveat. A lot of my best ball breakfast and ship chasing rooms, I just am not able to set up the zero RB rooms in a way I'd like. But I think in general, the ADP landscape is extremely conducive for zero RB because from rounds, what nine to 13, I mean, all of those are just great zero running back selections. They are there this year. Historically, that's where we've seen zero RB breakout picks. The rookies often emerge from there. You can think Kenneth Walker last year and previous years. That's where the Nick Chubb came from the Alvin Kamara. Like that is such a nice range. And you wake up there and you have 
all of these Dolphins backs. You have all of the Bears backs. You have all of the Saints backs. All of these ambiguous backfields with so much opportunity, and it really does line up well to take care of other positions through seven or eight rounds and then pivot there. So the board is very conducive to zero RB. Yeah, this board, though, not so much. We are in a little bit of a wide receiver avalanche. Um, man, I do not like deviating twice here. I think I'm going to reach for Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's ADP is starting to come up a little bit here at 31.8 now. Uh, but I'm gonna, I took Mahomes and have Jamar Chase, so that's a little week 17 correlation. And taking Calvin Ridley, Pete, are you – boy, I think you're going to end up in a better pocket than I was here because it was literally all running backs or reach for a receiver. Well, yeah, this is a – that's an interesting one because I normally am like – plugging my nose if I have to take Calvin Ridley at pick 34 at the back end of the third round there. Uh, but what, did you get buried by the wide receiver avalanche? Yeah. So, and it, it does put you in a bad spot there. I, I mean, I'm always just going to take the running back in that spot. Like I'm just not reaching for Calvin Ridley there. And I think guys like Ramondre Stevenson and Josh Jacobs have top five overall upside. And I do also know at the four or five turn where you're there, like you're going to be in Terry McLaurin, um, Michael Pittman, all that range. So I would have just grabbed my running back. But when you take that elite detour for the QB, it does start to get hard. Like if you make the elite early QB detour, then you make uh, the bell cow running back detour, you can get behind that wide receiver in a room like this. So the Mahomes pick, I think, ended up kind of hurting you a little bit there as far as your kind of total flexibility about how to handle this room, I would say. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think you mentioned that in some of your streams you've done with Pat and uh, Sean Siegel. Of course, Pete does those on Wednesday, same timing here as the Splash Play doubleheader. Um, that's one that I've observed you go through on stream before, so I've been a little more conscious of not trying to take, uh, let's say, you know, Mark Andrews there in Mahomes or a running back in Mahomes, but I do think the Week 17 correlation with Jamar Chase is nice enough, and obviously Mahomes does have some late targets to go to. I am still a fan of Kadarius Tony, still okay with Sky Moore and uh, Rashi Rice at the end of drafts, or a little bit later in drafts, rather. Um, so I'm willing to go there here, but I agree. Maybe running back with them would have been the move. And I actually would have gotten Mahomes and Tony Pollard if he fell one more spot, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm looking at this board right now. I'm on the clock with a CD lamb, Jalen Waddle start. Um, my heart wants to take Debo and keep going wide receivers, but I am going to go ahead and just use the Waddle opportunity to take, uh, Mark Andrews, couple picks past ADP. I still love the elite tight end builds and, um, just going to use that correlation there as the tiebreaker to grab Andrews over Debo. Yeah, Miami Baltimore is probably my most exposed week 17 game uh, so far this year, which I'm pretty happy about though. I guess last year, I think my most exposed one was uh, San Francisco, Las Vegas, which ended up being uh, perhaps not so good in terms of the stacking partners in that one with the Darren Wallers and Trey Lance's of the world. But I feel like Miami Baltimore, and it might be a little biased. Obviously that game did go off in a major way last year, but in terms of week 17 games, I don't see that stacked up as much as I would have thought. Um, but I love getting one of Tyreek and Andrews, one of Waddle and Andrews. I think those are nice starts. Uh, thank you, Tyler, for the super chat. Let's keep this one in our back pocket. As Spags and I go throughout the draft, Tyler asking, is one guy going to absolutely hang dong in week 17 that no one sees coming? Spags and I will give our sleeper week 17 hero at some point during the show today. Let's see. Let's keep grabbing a wide receiver in this room. We'll grab, we'll get an Amari share. Um, one thing about and i could have made this same argument with christian watson who i select more often one nice thing about the cd lamb jalen waddle amari cooper is this pairs up really well with uh you know dak tua and deshaun watson all going in a similar range of the draft and so what my brain immediately does 
is often I'm taking running backs in that range. Right now I have a zero RB build. This might be a team where I finally take the round five or round six detour for a running back. You know, I haven't been getting a lot of Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins. I don't mind those guys, even Damian Pierce, Joe Mixon types. Um, I've been wanting to find myself in some structures that allow me to make a smart running back pick in that range, knowing I have those quarterback picks that I might be selecting where I normally take running backs. I might make that change today. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm worried. Okay. I guess ATN's not going to fall any further. It's weird because McLaurin went early, Judy going a little bit early, some of these guys going a little bit later. So it feels like half a wide receiver avalanche room and half not. Um, but I guess we're going to see what falls back my way because I think I'm going to end up in a pocket of DJ Moore or with no fields, Kirk. Like I don't uh, I don't love the way this is shaking up for me so far. Um yeah, I'm going to, you know, I can tell you're a little frazzled. I'm going to get a coffee pour, get your mind right here, Spags. You'll Thank feel really good after this. That's what I need the most. There you go. Yeah, this oh. is a, a crazy start from JIC 5-6 there. Diggs, Barkley, Najee, ETN. Yeah, I mean, I, you've talked about not being a big Barkley guy in terms of where he falls, in terms of the pockets. I'm not a Barkley guy overall. I'm certainly the, more of a volume player from where I sit than a guy who's been good in any sort of advanced analytics. And uh, yeah, no values coming back my way either. Watson goes at 44. So um, I think I might end up having to do a weird, well, we'll see. I might if have to go Jacksonville coming up and then maybe Dude, I'll take Trevor Lawrence. Spags, Gibbs is a smash at 47 if you get him here. If he falls, if he falls. <sighs> yeah, this is, it's, this is another thing like Spags, like going back. I mean, I get the Mahomes stuff. Uh, for sure with that week 17, but I've had a hard time doing Mahomes with Chase, just knowing that Burrow is always there at 411 and 52. Do you ever take those guys together or do you ever pass on Mahomes knowing Burrow's gonna often be there? No, I mean I take Mahomes. I took Mahomes and Burrow once on a stream you did, but let me let me figure this out here. So if I take Kirk, I'm live to get I think a unique pairing of Mahomes with Trevor Lawrence. If I take Gibbs here, I'm certainly covering running back, but I am going to be still behind the eight ball at wide receiver a little bit. Um, I am going to shoo Pete's guidance here and take Christian Kirk and then maybe take Trevor Lawrence and hope he falls. Wow. Yeah, I think that I think that was a mistake because I think the ADP value you're getting back on Gibbs there kind of helps offset the, the big reach on Calvin Ridley. Um, and now Trevor Lawrence, what, his ADP is 64 you pick at 71. You definitely have cornered the market on Jags. Maybe the ETN guy does something, but then it gets really dicey. Again, I don't mind getting sniped on quarterback, but um, it is a little tougher to hope he falls to 71, especially after you've already spent early capital on a quarterback. Yeah, young Doug seems like he times out on Gibbs there. So a uh, young Doug, also the worst rap name in history. We're going to go with him. Thank you, Casey. A very healthy, poor I appreciate that. Yeah, I I think people really love the poor Pete, and I don't want to get in the way of it, but sometimes you don't get it on Splash Play, which ironically, you know, Splash Sounds, all in, all in effect there. Okay, all right. Got some interesting wow. players here. Kenneth Walker's three straight here. Yeah, young Doug might be getting buried here by the Avalanche. More like Boomer Doug with all those running backs. Got three receivers, one QB. Uh, I'm going to get weird here. I'm going to take Joe Mixon. All right. There you go. Building out your Bengals chiefs week 17 here. Uh, JGFC whose rankings you got. I still got Pat's rankings. 
in my system. Pat's been, uh, I've just kind of liked his, how aggressive he was early on. And I think he's got a really good finger on the pulse. Obviously the ETR guys and Leone do an awesome job with their rankings too. But in a way, because so many people use ETR rankings, like as a, as an example right now, Rondell Moore is screaming up draft boards because ETR, I believe has him ranked at 115th overall. And so I almost view drafting off of ETR ranks as drafting off of ADP. You know, it's like if most people are looking at ADP and the second most people are looking at ETR ranks, it is nice to have um, a little bit differentiated thought um, or rankings there. But I will say, I will probably in the next few weeks, I will drop all rankings out and draft exclusively off of ADP. So you want to even have them as like a framework then? I guess it does change the screen. So you do kind of want to do that, but you could do a blended blended might be fun. That's a way to get different. Yeah. But that's also going to be like a lot of added work that I'm not going to do. The beauty of, you know, Pat's <laughs> leg up rankings of the ETR is it's just a quick CVS, uh, CVS, CSV, uh, upload there to, uh, to the site. So quick run to CVS to get the rankings. Marco asking, where can he get Pat's rankings? So give the big plug here, legendaryupside.com. Of course, Pat's working hard there. YouTube channel for Pat also going well. Um, so go check out Pat's content, but certainly uh, support the new guys launching a thing, uh, Legendary Upside, Pat's new venture. And uh, you get some good deals on there as well with the underdog credits and all that. All right. So just as I kind of set it up, you know, J.K. Dobbins, a guy I like, uh, have not selected yet in Best Ball Mania because I'm almost always selecting a wide receiver here. But kind of how I mentioned with how I think this is going to break for me, not using an early pick on a quarterback. I'm going to use this as a green light to take J.K. Dobbins, build out my bet here with this Baltimore Miami game. Dobbins, a couple picks past ADP and also there wasn't a screaming wide receiver value. I was going to select Pittman there at 58 mm. if he fell. Uh, instead, I, I knew kind of, I got these two Seattle wide receivers. I got Evans, I got Ayuk. Uh, so I knew I would like whatever wide receiver I had at pick 63 and, and grab that, what modified anchor RB that's correlated at 510. Isn't Dobbins. I mean, well, I guess, yeah, it's round five, round six would be a traditional zero RB, but that's pretty close to the modern, uh, kind of draft board layout for this year. Like I feel like Dobbins to me kind of seems like a zero RB start, even though it's technically not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and this is kind of where he hovered last year too. He was always at like the five, six turn. I think my preferred like definition for zero RB when I'm looking at data is no running back through the first five rounds. So he is kind of right on that bubble. Um, and then, you know, I think you, even sometimes when you take Jameer Gibbs and I would say he falls more, you know, not where he went in this draft, but in general, that's really on the fringe of like, are you going to call that, you know, a cheap anchor RB, I almost would rather view Gibbs as a really premium zero RB start, right? Because he might be slow to start out of the gate. I actually think that's the most realistic outcome. You're drafting Jameer Gibbs for weeks 15 through 17. Like that's, that's where you're hoping he just goes nuclear. And so then I'm going to start thinking about the rest of my running back selections with that in mind. And I think I'm going to view JK Dobbins similarly. Like I'm not going to view JK Dobbins as like a true anchor in the way I would a Ramondre or a Pollard or a Jacobs. I am going to think about him more as a luxury zero RB start. Yeah. I love JK Dobbins. He's a guy I start a lot of my running back runs with Uh 23.4% of him. I have, as I mentioned, I do have a lot of Miami Baltimore. So that's correlated a lot with JK Dobbins too, but I think he's the one guy in that range. Like I do like Miles Sanders, but he falls a little bit sometimes. 
Um, don't usually take Mixon, but obviously kind of made sense for this build with a little bit of Cincinnati KC going. But to be Dobbins, I think in that range, I don't know if you feel differently, but Aaron Jones, Dobbins, Damian Pierce, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, I think Dobbins kind of appeals the most out of that group. Yeah. And like one thing I have to be careful with, I have my favorites in that group. Like I love Kenneth Walker. I like Dobbins. I like Aaron Jones. I think, uh, I think Miles Sanders is a really bad pick, but like the point is, is they're all dead zony running backs a little bit, but at least JK Dobbins has a profile that isn't entirely dependent on massive volume to get there. We know Dobbins can rip off big plays, very explosive. And so if you're making a bet on the Ravens offense, taking the leap, uh, you could really see him being the beneficiary of a supercharged offense. Bags, what are you doing here? I'm going to take George Pickens with my first pick here. Really would have liked Kadarius Tony to fall, but nothing is falling in this room that I would like to see, including Trevor Lawrence. He goes to 66, so I'm just going to grab my guys. And I do not, Pete, I've been stumping for this a little bit. I don't support the Deontay Johnson flippening of George Pickens. I've seen you raging on, on Twitter, really going through it with your feelings there. Uh, Although I did want to push back, like you, you had some reply where you said he's like Deontay Johnson's being propped up by dumb analysts. Like literally all the smartest people I know, Siegel, Pat, Leone are all in on Deontay Johnson. So no, you, you I didn't are going to have analysts. I, I said, I should have phrased it a little bit differently, but there are a lot of dumb analysts popping them, propping them up too. I mean, I guess there are some smart ones. The issue is that everybody's propping him up, which I think is always a bad sign for any single player when everybody's converging on them being this guy. And again, Deontay Johnson's up 14 picks in ADP, 13 picks in ADP in the last two weeks. Um, I just think the time of year, the fact that it's May and now Deontay Johnson's getting steamed up, he's a popular player for casuals. And whenever you are, as a sharp data person, closely aligning with the casuals, I think that you are running into a potential chalk disaster. Yeah, I just I, I just think the the like my my take on and I've said this before, both Pickens and Deontay Johnson are good bets. Both of them are bets on Kenny Pickett taking a leap. George Pickens is a more risk-reward bet. We have seen his type of profile boom and bust accordingly. Deontay Johnson is just a safer bet. And I think Deontay Johnson is more uncorrelated from Kenny Pickett performance than even George Pickens. Like, I can envision scenarios where Deontay Johnson has a little more TD regression, i.e. he scores at least more than one touchdown this year and has a decent year paying off that tag. Whereas Pickens could be all over the map. Um, if Pickett fails, I don't really see Pickens having a big year. Obviously, if Pickett does take the leap, then Pickens is going to come along for the ride. But I do think there is there is more risk with the Pickens selection. The reward is definitely greater, but there is more risk there. I just believe in a guy who's a little bit bigger, had a great athletic profile coming out of college. And Deontay Johnson, I'll point out the thing that I, I did say in the tweet that Pete mentioned, 85th out of 85, according to defensive adjusted yards after replacement when the football outsiders proprietary stats, and also 81st out of 85 in terms of receivers and DVOA. So uh, analytically, Deontay Johnson did nothing besides earn targets. And, um, and, D and there you go, Anthony Richardson goes. So I'm glad he's not going too low in ADP these days. Um, he's, I feel like he's all over the map. Uh, yes. I did. I'm sure you saw Spags. I did get my first share of Anthony Richardson and I even broke my own rule. Uh, I got bullied by the ship chasing guys into selecting him a couple picks ahead of ADP the other day. Uh, you know, very down sad about that. I think it was good for you to finally break your cherry on that one. Uh, certainly a player that I will stump for and continue to stump for. Um, and people too, I think are starting to read a little bit into, oh, Gardner Minshew caught, uh, was running all the first team reps in one of the practices. If that was only one of the media days they had, uh, supposedly one of the other days, it was Richardson taking all the first uh, team reps as well. So 
Um, I think there's a little bit of tea leave reading going on with him that is incorrect. Um, just watch the highlight reel. Watch Pat McAfee uh, spazzing out over him, throwing a, a pass on the run. And that's what the AR that we want to see. So I this this draft has broke cleanly for me as far as from like an ADP pocket um, portion of the draft. And I, we should recap for the audio listeners here. I'm now through eight rounds. I have J.K. Dobbins at running back. Still no quarterbacks, uh, but I have six wide receivers now. CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddell. Amari Cooper, JSN, Quinton Johnston, Zay Flowers. So I've ripped off three straight rookie running backs. Zay Flowers obviously building on this big Baltimore bet I have, obviously Sands Lamar. And then I do have Mark Andrews at tight end. But again, another nice thing, the first four selections I made at wide receiver uh, when I tacked on JSN gave me another out for a mid-range quarterback stacking partner. So decided to keep hammering wide receiver there knowing I'm going to have three to four different cracks at getting stacks. I like at this next pick um, here. Here's the thing that I just need to point out real fast. Where'd that go? Is an a rich, a casual guy too? fun, young mobile QB uh, casual players. Don't like players who haven't played in the league before. That's the first part. Unless I guess they're a buzzy rookie running back. That'd be the one thing they do tend to think that Anthony Richardson has to show it on the field. So that's my take. And then this guy is just giving contrarian takes uh, contrarian takes for everything, but a rich is missing everybody. He's got to be a big bust. It's it's June. It's just turned June. <laughs> I think this is where we perhaps need to uh, dial it back a little bit. Perhaps I'm too over enthusiastic. That's making people push back more. But Jesus Christ, Pete, I cannot take the ill-informed AR fudding. And I'll say that you're one of the brain trust leaders who's led that charge. Um, sure. I Anthony Richardson is fine. I would say Anthony Richardson is a best ball mania underdog darling. Everyone on this site loves him. He people, general casual fans on Twitter hate him. Um, they, they say he sucks. He can't, he's not accurate or whatever. That's where the disconnect is for me. Someone was mentioning that my exposures weren't updated. So I did just go to the mm. brick draft caddy to get that updated. So you can in fact, see that I did select uh, Dalvin cook in a draft yesterday. So I took a weird pathway here. I think this team is kind of interesting, Pete. I got three Jacksonville Jaguars, no Trevor Lawrence, two Pittsburgh Steelers. I, maybe I'll take Kenny Pickett later. We'll find out. You have the bet on Cincinnati and KC combined here. I think this team is an interesting thought experiment, if not an actual live team. Well, you're doing, you know, this is the thing people get tripped up on. And I am curious. We didn't really get to talk about it. If Trevor Lawrence would have fell to you at 71, would you have taken him? probably i mean i tend to like lawrence the best when he's coming in the 80s because that does happen in some rooms and it's kind of interesting because people love taking him in the 40s too i've heard people go like oh i think he should be going higher than this guy it's like uh, i don't think he should be going higher than justin fields but i i to me like i don't i don't mind the bet on jacksonville without making a bet on trevor lawrence because frankly i don't think trevor lawrence himself is a great play i think the offense is kind of a great play um and i think if we're going to go one-to-one in a given week like mahomes can beat out trevor lawrence so i think it probably got saved by myself by not taking trevor lawrence I agree with that take. Although I will say like when you reach for Calvin Ridley and what took Christian Kirk a few picks ahead of ADP, like then you, you need that offense to smash so hard that I think you can start to, you know, then offset that with a Trevor Lawrence ADP value. But the point I was going to make too, is like, you want to be building out these team level correlations, even without the quarterback. Like I just watched young Doug take an unstacked Tua despite despite having Jalen Hurts and despite only having two wide receivers. Um, but I'm completely fine with Miami, Baltimore, mini correlation bet, and I'm going to get stacks 
with other teams. Like you still want stacks. You can only have so many quarterbacks uh, and you still want to access the benefits of that game going off, even if you don't have the quarterback. Yeah, I think I naturally end up on more on the running back wide receiver pairings without a QB than I do two wide receivers without a QB. But I do like all these receivers for the most part, or at least I like, you know, sort of the bet on them. Like I, I like Pete mentioned last week, like I don't mind the bet on Deontay Johnson as a vessel for a bet on Pickett. I think that's okay. I just think Deontay Johnson's a little bit overrated by the people who are starting to draft right now. Um, but I think overall, like I like the way this team is shaping up. I think I buried, I got myself out of a little bit of an early burial uh, by not taking receivers. So we'll see how it goes, but what are you going to do here? So I am going to have to take Geno Smith here. Um, we saw a huge run on my quarterbacks. Tua goes, Dak goes, and Deshaun Watson. And then I take a look at Amy's team here who has Tyler Lockett in zero QBs. And so I know with the two picks there, there is a very high likelihood that Geno's not coming back. I want to lock up one of my stacks there. So I'm going to do a little reachy reach to make sure I get a quarterback here. Yep, I think that makes sense. Certainly Gino, a guy that another fungible uh, ADP guy that can sometimes go at 100, can sometimes go at 120. And uh, Pete is as good as, good as anybody is reading the room here. And I think getting Gino where you did, probably the wise move. Yeah, we do see Amy go ahead and grab Jared Goff there. Uh, a, uh, high ahead of ADP, but knowing that Goff probably isn't coming back 24, 25 some picks. So now I have to make a decision here about how I want to play this. I think I'm probably going to have to end up building out one little backdoor stack late. Um, I'm going to go ahead and grab a chain here and just build out this Miami Ravens uh, bet. So I now have Dobbins and a chain. I have Waddle and Mark Andrews, obviously no Tua, obviously no Lamar. The thing I was wrestling with their spags was, would I want to take Daniel Jones, be done at quarterback, knowing there's so many backdoor options with Daniel Jones to tack on? The the other thing I was struggling with, though, is like I'm at six wide receivers through 87. That's a lot of good capital spent. I'm probably only drafting one more wide receiver. And so knowing I'm going to want to get a stack with a quarterback who's not already on my team, I'm I'm thinking I might have a better opportunity to do that at another spot and trying to take advantage of this running back sweet spot. But it was close for me there. I almost went Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think you would have ended up a little bit too thin at running back if you waited longer. But, you know, it's certainly it's all relative to comfort. Like even if I do, you know, take running backs in the 11th round, like that's not ideal according to the road of is like roster construction explorer data. Um, certainly not an ideal move, but you could still get pockets of guys where you're getting your Roshans, you're getting your Deontay Foreman's, you're getting your, you know, Damian Harris's. There's a lot of guys I think you can go on that run for. Um, I'm on the clock here, though. I am going to reach for Sky more a little bit just so I can have somebody correlating with Patrick Mahomes as everybody else goes in front of me. So that is my sixth receiver. And we ended up on similar builds despite different journeys too there. Yeah, and I do. Amy in the chat confirming she wanted Gino there. I'm, I, You know, Amy, this was trickle-down economics because if Tua doesn't go at 97, there's a very good chance Tua falls to me at 106 or uh, maybe even the Tyree kill drafter takes him and then Dak slides to me or whatever. So I'm sorry. It was a domino effect there of uh, our stacks getting wiped out as number one lights their, uh, their entry fee on fire. And I got two chiefs here. I got Jarek McKinnon as well to add to my sky more. So certainly unique uh, chief stack. I feel like you're probably getting maybe two of Rasheed Rice and sky more and probably not getting one of the shitty running backs that one of the other good receivers. So um, I feel like McKinnon and Sky Moore, if nothing else, going to be a unique build to add to my, uh, my, my overall very unique build. Yeah. Mm. 
Brent Ross says A-Chain as a number two. If you don't like A-Chain as a number two, check out my team I drafted yesterday where A-Chain was my number one. <laughs> I Man, I, I think this is really that time of the year. And I don't, you know, I don't want to go on our, our usual rants or my usual rants about other channels or whatever. I think that this is part of why some channels, Pete, really do skyrocket because they give the takes people want to hear, which is like, yeah, Devin A-Chain, I don't know, feels pretty thin in week 17. Kendra Miller, I don't think he's going to play over Jamal Williams. Like, I think there's a comfort to that. And I think that's the itch that Pete, we, we are never going to scratch in the right way. No, and now we got guys like Pius Devil in the chat doing the Denny Carter bit. Uh, really love your wide receivers, but uh, your, your running back seep thin. It's like no fucking shit because I'm jacked up at every other position. Let me see your teams and I will tell you how thin you are at wide receiver four because you took two or three running backs early. Uh, honestly, though, I, I love these rooms because a lot of times on my best ball breakfast, I am the one that's forced into taking the running backs in round three or round four because I don't have any good wide receiver value. So I love getting to do some true zero RB rooms like this. It is my preferred way to draft. And uh, I am always going to uh, take advantage of that when I get a room that's conducive for it. Yeah, that zero RB run where you start in like the 10th round and you get start with Charbonnet and then just reel off a bunch of rookies that are in pretty good spots. I like a lot. Um, ideally, a mix, though, of rookies and guys are going to have roles in the beginning of the year because as I've talked about, like my best teams last year were zero RBs, but I wish I'd prop up some of the guys that got there at the end of the year with guys that were good in the beginning of the year. But uh, what are you going to do here, Pete? I'm going to grab a running back here. Uh, I'm going to grab Eli Mitchell. Um, Ooh, so now we have... J.K. Dobbins, Devin A. Chain, Eli Mitchell. This was something I was talking about with Herzik the other day, too, as far as when you are doing zero RB rooms, and we had started with, I think we had three straight rookie running backs. We then started to think, how do we get enough early season production to buoy this room until the chaos of the season kicks in? He ended up pointing out Jamal Williams, who was actually buried in Pat's ranks. I'm not a Jamal Williams guy, but on that team, it made a ton of sense of like, who's a guy who could fall into the end zone a couple times at the start of the year and keep this team afloat until the rookies really kick in. Eli Mitchell is a guy for me here who I think helps me do that on a team with A-Chain Dobbins. You know, Eli Mitchell, I think is going to be getting 10 to 15 touches right out of the gate and have some good goal line equity there. In addition to his contingent upside with CMC. Eli Mitchell, one of my most exposed running backs, so I don't really have an issue with that one. I think he's a really nice value. And again, he's one of those guys, too, that, you know, sort of a bet against McCaffrey, but also a bet that can get there even if McCaffrey's great. And they do want to save McCaffrey until the playoffs because it's a team with Super Bowl aspirations. So uh, Mitchell, to me, just an undervalued play who I think should be a part of a lot of zero RB builds if people are trying to go that way. Yeah, for sure. And I got him a little bit at a discount here. What did he go? Yeah, ADP of 123. I get him at 130. John Kelly does take Kendra, who I was going to select if he fell there. And now I'm trying to figure out how I want to play this. I think what I might do here is set up. I have the Quentin Johnston. I might set up a backdoor stack with Russell Wilson. I was mentioning how I wanted to find a signal caller who had an option for me late in drafts, whether that's Dolchich, Mims, Tim Patrick, I'll have an option there. And then I do have the bring, bring back with Quinton Johnston. And then this will allow me to get back to hammering running backs. I like Jalen Warren, Roshan Johnson, some of these guys here, but it would have been a reach. And I think the pocket that will fall to me at the next pick, like looking at the quarterback versus running back two V twos kind of like just being done at quarterback and pulling the trigger on Russ. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, certainly starting to thin out a little bit at QB and you didn't have, 
you don't have a correlation with car. You don't have a correlation with love. So I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see. There's one player I would like to fall to me. So prepare to watch me be sad when he does not. We'll see. I guess I have a couple outs. I have a couple outs here. I'll be fine. Mm. The, te the tension, Pete, when you're on stream and not knowing if the person's watching the stream and if they know the player you want to take, like that's been the big pull for me re re recently where it really is a crapshoot. People are watching our streams and drafting against us. And um, and they also know the kind of players. They like the same kind of players. And I I'm sweating this one out. Yeah, I I'm just at peace with it. I now just telegraph. I mean, uh, my stream with Hertzik yesterday, we were like, Oh yeah, this will line up perfectly at picks 84 and 85 to double stack Lamar Jackson with Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers. Just like completely telegraphing it. If people want to make suboptimal picks uh for snipes, then they can go ahead and do that. I can still build good teams. Yeah, so I wanted Jalen Warren there, did get him. So that's that's a player too that's like you don't have to have Pittsburgh Steelers to want Jalen Warren. I think he's a buzzy enough mm -hmm. name. And people also assume, as which I think correctly, uh, that he'll have a role from day one and also have contingent value, whether Najee Harris is hurt or if he just doesn't get there. Um, I'm on the clock again, though. So I'm torn, Pete, between Joe. Uh, well, I have Joe Mixon. So I could increase my Cincinnati bet with Irv Smith, or I can go tank Bigsby and get pretty close to done at running back. What would you do? Um that is interesting. I would probably go Bigsby just because you have such a big bet on Jacksonville that you, you basically just need the chiefs and the Jags to absolutely smash. Um, I also, let me see it. You were debating between Irv. Yeah. I like Irv yeah. I think more than you do though, but yeah, I also will say, and again, this goes back, I'm, you know, kind of arguing against myself with the chalk combos. This is just anecdotal, but I see so many Travis Kelsey or Smith combos at tight end. Mm -hmm. It'd be just because it makes sense, right? Of like, if you spend that early one, you're probably not going to spend a mid round pick on a tight end. And then you're looking for that correlation. And if you have got shut out of like, say T Higgins and chase, it's like Irv is the last guy standing there to get week 17 correlation. So, um, you know, if you're finding ways to get unique stacks around that game. Uh, and so the, the last point on tank. And so you took, you took Jalen Warren and tank Bigsby. And I actually just wrote about these guys in the fantasy life newsletter, looking at some ADP trends because Warren and tank are two of the biggest risers right now at running back along with Jerome Ford. And they all fall into a similar thematic bucket in that the market is now getting confident with them as the running back two on their team. And we know drafting these running back twos is extremely valuable. And so I think you are grabbing the end of a tier there. I say that as Roshan Johnson slips past ADP here a good bit. I need to keep building out my zero RB room. I definitely like Roshan at pick 154. Yeah, I like Roshan overall. I mean, I, I know that it's sort of hard because we like a lot of these rookie running backs in this range, and I think they are more appropriately priced than they were last year where some of these guys were going, uh, you know, the equivalents were going a little bit cheaper. But Roshan to me is just one of those guys where there's a pathway there. They've already kind of said some OTA quotes about Cleo Herbert being expected to be the lead guy, but not the only guy. Um, so I think that certainly bodes well for Roshan, a guy who does a little bit of pass game blocking, a little bit of pass game catching as well, um, and also can run the ball really well, gets eight-man boxes is one of the college stats that jumped out for him. So Roshan, I love as a pick, but I think he made more sense for you than he probably did for me. In my take, so I mentioned what? The Dolphins backfield, the Saints backfield, and the Bears backfield. There's nine running backs there all going in the double-digit rounds. Outside of Alvin Kamara, who I'm not targeting, I like all eight of those other running backs. Uh, and I guess you could throw Jamal Williams in. He's probably out on it too. Um, and why I like Kendra so much. But 
that is something that I have been prioritizing because the market is like, I don't know what to do with this backfield. And it's like, well, one of these guys is going to absolutely smash their ADP here. Um, I might do, do I want to do the handcuff, the Bears backfield or the Miami one? We will run out the all track team, Devin A. Chain, Raheem Mostert combo there. This going back to kind of the conversation we were having, you know, about the RB2 tier here, the guys we feel confident in their jobs uh, or their role, you know, Foreman, Wilson, Tajay Spears, Chuba, Jerome Ford. And then after that, it really starts to get to be the Wild West there. So I was hoping to get Dolchich was the guy I was thinking of for a Denver stack. But John continues to snipe me. We are basically dueling on opposite sides of the Charger Denver stack. And so he grabs Dolchich for his bring back. But I should have a couple more cracks at Denver bringbacks if I need here. So are you in the group now that the handcuffing is okay, but only for like teams like Miami, Washington, like where there's kind of a, they can both get there in concert, but also it makes sense that one of them will be there, you know, be good for the beginning of the year and one will be good for the back half of the year. Yeah, that's it. To me, it all comes down to opportunity cost. Right. And, you know, I use the example, if you take Saquon Barkley and you're taking Matt Breida, you know, something like that, or you take Jonathan Taylor and you're taking Deion Jackson or Evan Hull. For that, for those two backs to hit, for the second back to hit, you need your first or second round pick to get injured. Whereas when you take, you know, Deontay Foreman and Roshan or whatever kind of combo of these back, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, you, one, those guys could and should have a standalone value. They have massive contingent upside and the opportunity cost is so low in, in the 160s here. Like we are truly in, when you look at the historical hit rates of these picks, you know, from round 13 on, they are very, very low hit rate guys. And I think using two spots on guys where it can work out in multiple ways, right? They can have standalone value together or they can have contingent value, or you could have the scenario where it's like Jeff Wilson's the lead back for the first six weeks, gets hurt, and then it's, you know, Devin A. Chain down the back stretch. So I think there's tons of ways it can work out. And if the opportunity cost is low, I don't mind it. Yeah, I think I just hit my pockets pretty well. Got Kenny Pickett, was a little bit worried about young Doug taking him, uh, just because young Doug seems to be a man who doesn't live by the laws of of the rest of us here out here. <laughs> but got Pickett here, uh, also got Jerome Ford. So I'm done at running back, and honestly, for, I guess, not really a full zero RB room, I feel pretty good about Mixon, Charbonnet, McKinnon, Warren, Bigsby, Ford. Like, it's a good mix of guys who will have a role and could have a bigger role. Yeah, I uh, I like how you have uh, recovered there. You have some big bets on Pittsburgh, KC, Jacksonville. Uh, you do get your bringbacks in there, so... I haven't done a ton of teams like that where I'm like super, super overweight uh, three teams, but I do like those, especially I do think those are the teams that are actually built really well for the regular season prize. Cause if you hit mm. on the, you know, two to three offenses, obviously the chiefs are flying under or not flying under the radar at all, but say you nail the Steelers being the undervalued team this year's Jags where they take the leap. That's how you really supercharge a regular season team with that massive team level correlation. And I know there's been some people kind of talking about the concept of overstacking a little bit more and the, I guess the risk profile of that, I really feel like my best teams last year were the ones that veered a little bit closer to overstacking both the team, like not more than four guys usually, but had a good share of a team. And then also some of the week 17 bring back. So I feel pretty comfortable about going three to four guys for the most part, but what are you going to do here? 
Yeah, I'm going to grab another running back. I'm definitely a 6RB build here, probably 7. Um, so I'm debating right now between Spears and Hubbard, who I have equal amounts of right now. Uh, I'm now using every little thing to break ties, and I will do my JSN Tajay Spears Week 16 correlation here uh, and grab Tajay. I'm surprised you took Tajay, I guess, the Week 17 of it, but Chuba's right there waiting for you, and he kind of fits your, your thesis of the running back room as well. Right, but I have also gotten some more immediate season production here. So I, you can now see I do have three rookies and three uh, veteran backs here. And uh, there's a chance Chuba comes back. Uh, and if not, uh, I might pivot to another position. Although I might be also looking at, yeah, a late tight end build for sure. Yeah, I'll probably, I want to get a Broncos uh, bring back. And that leaves me with three more picks, a running back, a Broncos bring back and another tight end, I think is what I'm looking at. So Chuba does come back. So I will grab Chuba and be done here with a seven running back build zero RB room, JK Dobbins, Devin A. Chain, Eli Mitchell, Roshan Johnson, Raheem Mostert, Tajay Spears and Chuba Hubbard. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn here because I think I'm good at six. Like I feel like Mixon is what makes me particularly good at six. I also feel like seven running backs is a little bit like the data doesn't fully support seven running backs as much as you would think. So I've been trying to cap myself at six for the most part, but I like, you can make the case that a seventh running back would work for me or a seventh receiver. And then obviously one more tight end. Yeah. Let me Good see goal. your, yeah, you're at a two, six, six, one. E yeah, you you have a you you kind of have a lot of flexibility there as far as structurally. I mean, I think you're done at running back most likely. Yeah, I think so too. Um, definitely want to get some more correlations in here. Um, would like to get some Carolina players for that Week 17 correlation with Jacksonville, but we'll see who's going to be available is, left. This would be one of those spots where I've now become more open to the idea of like uh, a three tight end room. I think I could see you potentially tacking on two tight ends with Ingram. Um, if those ended up being the best values on the board. Interesting. Yeah. But, I, I like that you're waking up to the three tight end builds, by the way. You know, uh, I, what, what's the process? I have a Bayesian uh, mindset here. Uh, you know, the, 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 the big selling point for me on it is, and it's more having to do with the time we're drafting right now. Uh, the, the tight ends at the end of the draft, there are so many starting tight ends that have job security that we just know are going to be out on the field. Like no one drafts fucking Kate Otten and he's the starting tight end on the Bucks. Trey McBride, starting tight end on the Cardinals. There's these guys who have job security. And if we're avoiding dead roster spots, those late tight ends are a really good way to do it. Whereas when you're taking these running backs in this range, now you're in, these guys could be the third running back on their team. You're taking wide receivers who could be the wide receiver four, wide receiver five. So, um, that has been really the big selling point for me. Um, and it's it's based on capital, right? I prefer elite tight end. If I miss out on it, it's nice to have that out and knowing that those guys are all just hanging around at the end of the draft. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. I like taking three tight ends when you do uh, just go completely late at the, at the position, but I'm actually going to reach for a guy here who's getting some positive camp reports, but does fit my I uh, want to get some week 17 correlation for Carolina. Just took Hayden Hurst. And now I'm taking Terrace Marshall, who goes in the 17th sometimes now. Still a 210 ADP. Uh, but I've seen him get jumped enough on me that I, I'm going to get him now. Yeah, Terrace, Mar Terrace Marshall and LaVisca Chanel getting buzz for the sixth year in a row. Uh, I love, I, 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 I think both of them are. Pat got me to take Visca on one team. Uh, I think Terrace Marshall's a good pick. Uh, yeah, and I mean, both those guys are free. 
Um, one comment here that it this is okay. So why all the Charbonnet love? Still not understanding it. Walker is the guy. Will be the guy. And Charbonnet is going to be riding the pine like I did in high school. Last year, the exact same things were said about Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny. It's not if you bank an early season standalone role for Charbonnet, like that's just a bonus. You are making a high upside contingent value bet. We have seen Alexander Madison in previous years go only a couple picks behind or a couple rounds behind where I'm going to go ahead and get my double stack with Gino yeah. here with Noah Fant behind where Charbonnet is going right now. And all Madison is needed is a couple of spike weeks to pay off a 13th and 14th round cost. Charbonnet going in the 10th and 11th. All you need is Kenneth Walker, who isn't necessarily a picture of health, missing a few weeks in Charbonnet with a 25 plus point upside game can pay off that draft cost. And that's in like the kind of median outcome scenarios where Kenneth Walker misses a couple games. If you get a Kenneth uh, Rashad Penny gets hurt situation, like we did last year, then you have a league winner with Kenneth Walker, who is going at the exact same price that Charbonnet. So you got to open up your mind to the contingent upside of drafting. We aren't drafting based off of median projections when we make these selections. And also Charbonnet might be a better player than Walker, and they kind of just use Walker because they had to last year. Um, they also seem to like McIntosh. So I, Charbonnet to me is a guy that should get some pass game work, but McIntosh is kind of a pure pass down back based on how he performed in college and what they're using him at so far. But I think both those running backs, like you could take Charbonnet, you could take McIntosh, but it doesn't mean they're bad bets just because Kenneth Walker was good last year. He actually wasn't that good in any sort of advanced analytic, which um, you know people sometimes miss. Tim Patrick closes it out for you. Tim Patrick, yeah, I wasn't going to raw dog uh, Russell Wilson there unstacked. I was hoping to get Marvin Mims or Dolchich when I first selected him, but Mims went really early in this one. Where did Mims go? 153. I guess not super early. This this guy, and then what, Dolchich went uh, where did Dol 155. So those would have been my preferred backdoor, but I do really like Tim Patrick because, one, I think Tim Patrick's good, and two, I think he has some – upside in one, maybe Mims is a bust. Um, I've been drafting a ton of Mims. I hope that's not the case, but Patrick could be out on the field a lot if Mims is slow to get going. And two, if the Broncos trade a wide receiver, which continues to be rumored, you know, by the trade deadline, Tim Patrick, if Sutton gets traded, I mean, Tim Patrick's out there on the field in all three wide receiver sets for the Broncos down the stretch. So um, I kind of like Tim Patrick in this range where we're looking at the Richie James and the Quez Watkins is of the world. I think he stands out a cut above those guys. Also, I just want to uh, kind of pull up. I don't want to just beat up on this guy. Captain Osmo spelled differently than the, this former site Osmo and the player Osmo. Um, Kenneth Walker started last year with a hernia. That was why he wasn't playing. He wasn't riding the pine. He was hurt to start the year. So if you're going to like dig your heels in on the takes, at least like know the, the how and why for everything. And that's part of what the how and why was. They went heavier with Penny early because Walker wasn't ready to go. Yeah. But even still, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't matter even if you didn't know that context. Like, I think it's still you take the young guy who they just spend a third-round pick on. And I think the thing that blows people's minds is, here's the thing. Kenneth Walker is an awesome selection, too, in drafts. I, I love Kenneth Walker's price in the mid to late fifth when he when he falls there. Um, basically, what is happening is both of their prices are discounted relative to the uncertainty of the backfield. But when an injury or someone climbs to the top of the depth chart, if Charbonnet sucks, Kenneth Walker is a second-round value. If Kenneth Walker is riding the pine, then Kenneth Walker is a second-round value. If if um, Kenneth Walker or Charbonnet forces a timeshare right out of the gate, Charbonnet is massively undervalued. 
So these ADPs are baking in that ambiguity and you are actually getting discounts on both players at their current prices. Uh, Pete, for me, would you go a third tight end bill with Darnell Washington or take the crowd favorite Justin Ross to cap my wide receiver room? I I think that the paths to Darnell Washington being fantasy relevant this year are very, very thin. So I, w- I would take the buzziest guy uh, on Twitter right now and Justin Ross to uh, stack right. with your second pick. I think Darnell Washington has a pathway to relevance. Like, I don't think he's going to get an immediate pass game role, but he's such a good blocker that they're going to probably have him out there in two tight end sets and and hopefully find out that he's a better pass game player. Um, but I agree, like, Ross is a little fun. I don't take a lot of Justin Ross, so I'll take him here to, to get some more Chiefs in the building. So let's uh, – I think I missed what was your – what did you end up doing? Oh, yeah, that you had the Terrace Marshall, Hayden Hurst. Where, did, uh, yeah, you were you – were de- debating the third tight end there my only thing i don't think i think third three tight ends made sense but i don't think you necessarily had to force it with darnell washington like mcbride woods henry um musgrave if there was anything else i'm trying to see if you had any other correlation there for a third tight end but honestly you needed well you didn't need to but when you have patrick mahomes you really want to double stack patrick mahomes so Mm. getting both sky Moore and justin ross i I, I definitely get the uh, the value of going there, but I think you could have argued for a three, third tight end in this build. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the Ingram part of it. I, I think if he's going to be good this year, I think the bet on him does sort of say that he'll be good, but um, or you know that he'll be a core part of my team, hopefully. Do you want to read your team out here to service the audio listeners, which I know is always a priority for Pete? Yes, for the audio listeners, I ended up getting to do a little modified zero RB room here. Another 2772 build. This is the same structure I did yesterday with zero RB. My quarterbacks, Geno Smith and Russell Wilson. My running backs, J.K. Dobbins. The controversial Devin A. Chain feels pretty thin as your number two, Pete. Uh, Eli Mitchell, Roshan Johnson, Raheem Moster, Tajay Spears, who does in fact play the Texans twice in the fantasy playoffs, and Chuba Hubbard at running back. My wide receivers, pretty, pretty good. CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddell, Amari Cooper, JSN, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, and the tacked on stack of Tim Patrick. Two tight ends, Mark Andrews, Noah Fant. And then my team here is going to be Patrick Mahomes, Kenny Pickett at QB, running back Joe Mixon, Zach Charbonnet, Jarek McKinnon, Jalen Warren, Tank Bigsby, and Jerome Ford. Receiver Jamar Chase, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Sky Moore, Terrace Marshall, and Justin Ross. And tight end Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst. Uh, Pete, this team started weirdly for me, but I did mark this as a favorite, a, a team to watch in my portfolio. Wait, how are you? How do you actually annotate that in practice? I, I just put an X. I put an X at the end. <laughs> <laughs> X marks the spot, Pete. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I, I liked, I honestly liked how you recovered in this draft. I did not like your rounds two through five and like the, the, how the Mahomes set you up for the having to reach with Ridley passing on that other elite back and then having to reach on Kirk, not really, I guess just a little bit, but I think that sent you into some weird pockets of the draft, but I do think you recovered pretty nicely in getting that double stack, selecting your nemesis, Deontay Johnson. I didn't cover that enough that you bit the bullet and selected such an awful pick. It's almost like correlation does ultimately trump everything, Pat. No, people think that I'm just a pure player takes guy, but I care about the structure more than anything, and I feel pretty good about the structure. Of course, if you're hanging on here waiting for a second draft, it is going to be on the Splash Play channel coming up in a moment there. Pete and I will quickly change outfits, uh, dust ourselves off, get over there. No, it'll be really fast, uh, but we will do a second draft of BBM4 coming up on at Splash Play Pod, of course, the Splash Play YouTube channel. Pete, get the plugs here because you've been crushing it with all the views that you've been getting here lately. So the ducks, the duck mascots popping up all over. What are the big plugs? 
Yeah, we do have to come up with a name for that duck, though. I mean, you really pointed out a whole mm -hmm. flaw in that merch rollout. Um, yeah, so same deal as always. Anytime I draft a Best Ball Mania team, it is eligible for the comment giveaway. I think I'm now only 1,300 subs away from hitting our 15K goal, which will unlock the $1,500 giveaway. The way you enter that giveaway is simple. The second these shows are done, this one and the following show over on the Splash Play channel, you leave a comment. That comment will get you an entry. Live comments do not count. I have no way to track those. At the end of the summer or when... I hit 15K subs, I will, and I'm going to have to roll up my sleeves to do that. I actually think there's some tech ways I can do this. I will go and get all those comments. You get one entry per streamed video, and I, I've even made it so easy for you. I have a playlist on my channel with all 150 of my streamed drafts. You can go through those, watch them, leave comments, and get as many entries as you're willing to leave comments for. And uh, Spags, this one is eligible the second we end, and then we will have another draft immediately after this over on Splash Play. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun here. And of course, if you if you enjoy Pete and my banter, not only do you get the second draft coming up, I think tomorrow we're doing uh, a stream over on 4 for 4, the best ball happy hour with John Daigle. So uh, we both got to ask other. Poor Pete has to have me on his coattails on another show, but that'll be fun, Pete. Another a bonus Wednesday. We don't normally get each other on Wednesdays. I, I've seen, I haven't gotten to check out the show yet, but I, I the vibe they normally get like four or five people yeah. on that stream uh, shooting, the, shooting the shit. So excited to bring big splash play energy over to 4 for 4 tomorrow. And we're going to bring that big Splash Play energy over to the Splash Play channel right now. So come hang out with us there. And, of course, check out Pete's double stream tomorrow with both Pat Crane and Sean Siegel at the same time. We'll see you guys on the Splash Play channel. Bye. Spags, we have teleported from my channel over to the Splash Play channel because it is a Splash Play Best Ball Mania doubleheader where we gun for $3 million. Yeah, we are already in the room here, ready to draft for $3 million. Pete and I just built some interesting, uh, maybe high upside teams on Peach Channel, so watch that video as well, but we're ready to hop in here and have some fun, and um, nothing says fun, Pete, like a doubleheader with you on these Tuesdays. One of the highlights of my drafting season is I get a 101 here, a 102 on your stream, and a 101 here. Wow, how blessed, how blessed. I did get a 105, so at least I am not at the back end I definitely recognize some friends and family. We got our guy Serum. We got Huron River Rat in here. So what do we got at the back end? A, a username Bullhorn. Oh, we got Raise It in here. Uh, Tanner. Okay. So yeah, this this might be a little more uh, pissy than our last one. Which is good news if you're starting with Justin Jefferson, as I will be doing here. But got about 25 seconds left. How are you feeling about your overall portfolio, Pete? We are, as you can see down below, this is Pete's draft number 40 in his quest for BBM4, uh, filling them all on stream. Of course, leave a comment down below if you want to get an entry on this video for Pete's giveaway of $1,500 to three different people, so $500 each. But how are you feeling about your overall portfolio with kind of the this added little challenge you've given yourself? I'm feeling good about it. I, I think, you know, I've been... There's there's pros and cons to streaming all of your drafts. And one of the pros is I get pushed into a lot of weird, uncomfortable spots that I wouldn't necessarily do otherwise. And so I think I have a lot of diversity with like the structures and the players that I'm getting. And I'm just enjoying the challenge of can I build the best possible team for this specific room? And I really don't go into drafts with much of an agenda. Um, I am aware, of course, of dynamics of rooms and wide receiver avalanches and pockets of the draft. And so I do take that into consideration. But for the most part, I just like hopping in and seeing what each unique draft is going to give me. In this room, it does seem like, as Pete hinted earlier, with all the badges and familiar names. See, yeah, you're going to have to take a Kelsey or a Christian McCaffrey. 
Uh, I don't have to do anything, Spaz. I guess, I guess fact, you don't I have can... to, no. Yeah, logically, no, can... one might normally. I can take Stefan Diggs here if I'd like. Wow, so you're getting ahead of the avalanche. I, I mean, you know the avalanche is better than anybody. Is that how you would advise if people are sensing an avalanche room to just quickly get ahead of it? Well, one of the funny things I've seen kind of with conversations on Twitter about this stuff is a lot of people will be like, uh, it's insane that the wide receivers are going this earlier. It's insane that, you know, uh, Bijan falls to 17 or Barkley. And yet the one thing is, is that people who reject the early ADP frenzy, they still don't have a counter for it. Because I still have yet to see someone who's hopped in a room and successfully fought the wide receiver avalanche and drafted a good team. And what that tells you is that the wide receivers are actually efficiently priced, even when they're going a little bit ahead of ADP. Because if they weren't efficient, there would be an actual counter strategy to beat it. Um, but the way the dynamics work on underdog and the way the pockets of the draft work, you will lose if you stubbornly refuse to draft a wide receiver during a wide receiver avalanche. So I start to think about, would I rather reach two picks ahead of ADP for Stefan Diggs or 20 picks ahead of ADP for Jacoby Myers? Because those are some of the situations you find yourself in if you punt wide receiver in these rooms. And the opportunity cost of taking Diggs over Bijan or Kelsey is far, far less than it is taking Jacoby Myers over James Cook. You know, So those are kind of the situations that you find yourself in. And yeah, we got we to gotta play... There's a GTO strategy and then there's an exploitative strategy and we have to read the room and play the man sometimes. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I'm curious to see how guys like Bullhorn and Run for Shelter, I believe is a uh, Captain Osmo in our chat, uh, taking Kelsey there. Um, McCaffrey at nine is probably going to feel good for Bullhorn, but if he takes a running back here, he is going to be in dire straits. Potentially. Yeah, and it, it, it all depends, right? Like your mileage may vary. You might love Jonathan Mingo and Rashi Rice and Adam Thielen or whatever. And you might say, hey, I'm, I can play these 2v2s out and I I trust my ability to recover. Um, I don't necessarily uh, always feel that way. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And uh, evil saying that you were setting up Allen in the third, he goes instead with a uh, Travis Kelsey owner. So that's not going to be there for you. But that doesn't matter. I don't think you're fine with just digs. Um, yeah. Although one thing I was hoping Devonta and I actually am going to make a best ball tip video about this. Um, kind of talking about the falling quarterback prices. And one thing that's really fun is I love a digs Kelsey start with Devonta Smith as your second round pick, because you leave yourself open for two different quarterback fallers. And this is the perfect type of room to generally do it in. Josh Allen going here kind of ruins my my take, but in the super badge heavy rooms, they're more willing to punt the QBs to the third round and you can give yourself two outs for the elite stack. Hurts to Devonta or Mahomes or Allen with your Kelsey or Diggs share. So that's something I've been doing in a lot of drafts. And my take now is you really shouldn't be taking these elite quarterbacks in the second because the market is now giving them to you in the third round pretty regularly. I think that makes sense. Um, I'm on the clock here. Oh, okay. Elite QB is falling a little bit like Pete just mentioned. I don't think I want another share of Mahomes. So I'm going to take, I'm going to put Metcalf in my queue. He'll be one of my picks here. Don't want to reach for Ridley again. Ugh. But this room though. This room is making it kind of gross. Oh, this is a tough one. I, I'm actually not sure what I should do for this move here. 
This has been a thing that I've done a little bit, and I took Ridley last time out, and I'm going to do this again. I think Christian Watson is mispriced. I know he falls a little bit, but he's not going to come back to me in the one hole, so I am taking Christian Watson here to correlate for Week 17 with Justin Jefferson. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a reach by ADP, but I, I do think this tier after you know Higgins comes off the board, it is a pretty flat tier. If I If I defend your pick, it's that, the selections you'll be making at the four five turn are often not going to be paired with Christian Watson because you're mm-hmm. taking a player who's on the complete opposite side of the draft board. So, you know, say you get, I don't know who goes at that range, Terry McLaurin, Pittman, like those guys are often not paired with Christian Watson just by kind of ADP dynamic. So um, in this room, uh, again, it's not something I'm going to do. I'm not going to pass on some of these running backs here or the quarterbacks necessarily. But uh, I respect it, Spags. Yeah, I mean, when I'm at the one turn, I usually am willing to get a little bit weird with it, just knowing that Watson never falls to 48, never falls to 49. So um, that was my logic there. But let's see what Pete does. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm bummed I didn't. If I had the Devonta Smith thing, uh, then maybe I could have done the Hurts. I'm going to take a running back here. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to grab the big dog, who I've been trying to balance my stuff with. Ramondre and Jacobs and Henry um, and now like Pollard and Chubb are a little more expensive, but I will grab the big dog. Dare I say Spags leverage my Tajay Spears pick from the previous draft. <laughs> hey, you know, that all correlates together and shout out to Tyler as well for the 269 super chat. Did we cover the week 17 sleeper dong? May have missed it. Um, I think I took one of my guys who would have qualified as that as Terrace Marshall. I think he's a good one. If we're talking about just late round picks, um, Darius Slayton, I would throw out two Pete as a week 18 or a, a 18th round guy rather, who could be there in week 17 against a depleted Rams secondary that, you know, nope, they were bad last year with Jalen Ramsey. They're going to be much worse this year without him, but who would be your, oh boy, run for shelter two QBs. Um, who would be your week 17 sleeper? Yikes. Um, you know what? It, it, there, there is like a cop out, right? Is you really can tell a story. I, I think I'm a creative enough storyteller where I could paint a picture of everyone going off in week 17, but let, let's stay on. And this is hilarious because I just selected Henry, but because Tyler gave this super chat in the last draft, I do think Tajay Spears, you know, this guy who is behind an older running back, the Titans could be vaguely in like Arizona Cardinals. Let's just pack it up for next year territory. And it could be Tajay Spears who infamously gets the Texans twice in the fantasy playoffs as a lead back that they're going to showcase here as they kind of figure out the future of their team. Maybe we're in what will Levis territory by that time. Um, and you get a couple, you know, divisional shootouts. So I'll say Tajay Spears hanging some major dong. Someone on the Texans or on the Titans is going to hang major dong and it could be Tajay Spears. I think that's that's a fair way to look at it. Tajay certainly has shown a uh, ceiling ability in college. He destroyed USC in a bowl game that would have been worth uh, countless fantasy points uh, if that were an NFL game. So I think that's certainly a player that I wouldn't mind. And um, ACLs or not, that probably won't matter at this point in his career. Yeah. So let's see here. I'm going to be back on the clock. Let's see. Are who is the the chase owner is Serum. So mm-hmm. there's no way that Serum is going to let Joe Burrow go by him twice. He will either select him at 47 or 50. There's no way Burrow's coming back to me at 53. So I have to decide: Do I want to take Burrow here? If I'm looking at the board, 
is there any big opportunity cost guys that would be bad to pass on here? Although taking Burrow ahead of Lamar feels very bad. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's probably not the wisest. Yeah, I might I might push it. I might push it and just make someone else do that. If we are getting the quarterbacks falling here, Lamar does go. Mm-hmm. That makes it a little easier. I do have a little value in Jerry Judy, who I like falling a couple picks past ADP. I'm gonna I'm gonna still go ahead and grab Joe Burrow. I I like a decent amount of the early fifth round wide receiver options that I don't think there's a ton of difference between the guys available here. So I'm sorry, Serum. I am going to go ahead and uh, lock up my Burrow to T. Higgins stack. Yeah, I think your opportunity cost wasn't there, really. I mean, you're missing out on McLaurin, Gibbs, <laughs> Najee Harris. You're not missing out on any major guys that I think would uh, make you feel too bad about. Uh, like the Burrow thing is just more logical, I think, to do at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right at ADP. You can obviously get better discounts on him uh, sometimes, specifically from the one or the two hole, because you can get him at pick you know, 49 or 50. But uh, Serum Too Sharp, I knew, is taking uh, Burrow there with Chase. And with Diggs and Henry, I don't have any early quarterback options. So I don't mind stacking up T. If, I, if I'm going to reach on T and, you know, be a pretty aggressive with where T is going, I'm going to need Burrow to, to smash. So I'm going to take Hawkinson with one of these picks. Then now, now the conflict sets in for me where we all know there's a certain player that I love to set up at this point in the draft. And we also know that Michael Pittman not suspended for gambling. Um, so he's available, uh, but I could also increase my Seattle bet and go that way. But if I'm taking the elite tight end. I'm going to go receiver again. And Michael Pittman, we are, we, oh, Pete, this is a bit that started on oh, Friday. No. Uh, <laughs> you have a Pittman Jersey now too. No, no, it's still I was like, goodness. But, I like to talk to the Richardson jersey as though he's like my Green Goblin helmet. And I go, hey, oh, hey, don't worry, buddy. We're live. We're live. Give him a little kiss. Sometimes a French kiss. How how much were you sweating bullets during that, what, one hour before the rumor about who was suspended? It was. It, were you just terrified that it was Richardson or Pittman or even Alec Pierce? Well, it couldn't be Richardson because that would be such a quick turnaround. He just got <laughs> yeah. to the building. If he, were, if he got to the building and were just cranking out bets, he would. I'd probably be a bigger fan, I guess. But, but no, um, I was a little worried it was Pittman because some of the Twitter rumors were there. But my thing is just not to panic, so I I didn't panic about it too much. Thankfully, but I did. I was like, oh, fuck, please, fuck no. <laughs> uh wow, Gibbs at pick five two. I am jealous, uh, River Rat. There, very jealous. Um, man, what am I going to do here? I'm gonna go ahead and take Mixon. Um, you know, a lot of my Burrow. I don't have a lot of Burrow with Mixon. Probably none, considering how few times I've taken Mixon. Um, yeah, only one other time there. I am definitely at risk here of getting shut out at some wide receivers in this room because I've taken a second running back detour and the quarterback detour. But I just didn't love selecting one of those wide receivers there. Um yeah, this is kind of using the the difficulty of a sharp room to kind of push me into some constructions that I normally haven't made. But I've already talked about this was kind of similar to your Jags thing, right? Where it's like I'm aggressively drafting T, I'm drafting Burrow at ADP. I need this offense to smash. Let's bring Joe Mixon along for the ride. Do you feel bad now that because I don't think you were taking a lot of Mixon either? I was mm-hmm. willingly eschewing him in the 70s, the 80s, like all that. 
And now it does feel like unless they need him to get cut for a contract thing, like we're, the further we get past June one, the more unlikely it is that he gets cut. Are you feeling any sort of, I don't know, buyer's remorse about that? Or was it still so uncertain that it does feel like the right choice? Because we were right about Dalvin Cook and not taking him. Right, because I still feel like what? His stuff is polarized, right? Where if he's not suspended, where is Mixon going? He's going in round three by Josh Jacobs and Brees Hall, right? Like that's the exact range he would be going in otherwise. So we have more information now. And yeah, you're chasing up a little bit of steam relative to the people who are getting him in the seventh. Um, but I still think there's plenty of room to outperform or get even closing line value on him once the market becomes confident that he's going to play a full 17 games for the Bengals. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's definitely true. And Mixon, certainly a player that could lose some snaps to so a guy like Travion Williams, who's going to be apparently the guy who gets the first crack of the past game work and also chase Brown, the rookie in there who does, certainly can do a little bit of both as a high volume guy at Illinois. So that's certainly something that hovers around Mixon, but it just feels like at this point, I feel safe taking them in the 50s. And it sucks because he's probably going to get up to the 40s and then he's going to get cut because they need to extend Burrow and T. Higgins in one swoop. Yeah. But what are you going to do? What this room, by the way, too, not as pissy as I would have thought. Everybody's got a running back except for me. So I feel pretty good about my zero RB start. It's a weird thing where we have one bad team out of the seven hole and then everyone else is kind of drafting optimally and so it's kind of thrown the the qb stuff is what got really weird um i think but otherwise i think everything is normalizing yeah i mean i know uh captain osmo's in the chat defending some of his takes and all that but boy if you are streaming if you're not taking a receiver in the first six rounds i just don't i don't see how that team could advance uh yeah i don't i don't either um all right i definitely am taking a running or a running back, a wide receiver here. Let's go with a uh, Traylon Burks. Um, again, if I'm betting on Derek Henry and this Titans team, we will build out a little uh, Titans stack. Although I will not feel obligated to grab any quarterback with it. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Traylon Burks, certainly a player that uh, impressing so far in the, the OTAs portion of things, but obviously we'll see how that goes. But if, if anything else, like he's the only guy they have to throw to at this point with any sort of confidence. Yeah. I really like Traylon Burks and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised too. He, he, he fits kind of like the profile that the typical underdog drafter um, really likes. I think people are just so grossed out by the, the Titans in general, right? Like if people weren't grossed out about the Titans, Derrick Henry would be a one, two turn pick, you know, Traylon Burks would be going like where Brandon, Ayuk got steamed up to a couple of years ago in the fourth round but people are just kind of terrified about the implosion risk with the Titans. So I'm going to take at least one running back here. I'm going to take Miles Sanders because he is uh, 12 picks after ADP at this point. And, um, hmm. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice at QB. And I'm going to take Kadarius Tony with my second pick because I do want to be Done at receiver for now, and then go on a run at some other positions. But I like Kadarius Tony enough, and frankly, I never see him fall to seventy three. <laughs> He's got a seventy point four ADP. I know he falls seventy three. Never happens in a room I'm in. You know, it happens. Uh, I mean, you got a couple values. I haven't been selecting Miles Sanders, but if I were to select him, it would be at pick seventy two instead of what? What's his? What's his ADP? Is it like fifty five? Uh, sixty. Sixty flat. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because it, this it's the dynamic too, where they start to fall out of 
that opportunity cost range there. I think for your anchor, kind of like what I did with Dobbins in that last draft, Mm -hmm. um, Sanders at a discount uh, makes some sense there. You know, quickly before Pete picks here, guys, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Of course, about 60% of people that watch Splash Play are not subscribed, and we'd appreciate it if you help us out here as we try to grow things here. Uh, subscribe, of course, like the video, leave a comment down below. And you get Gabe Davis, which I think was probably the obvious pick given your build. Yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, Jahan Dotson and Quentin Johnston go, two guys I like a lot. Um, but Gabe Davis here with my Diggs Buffalo bet, um, kind of. I don't think yet. I have. I'm now doing uh, what I said I don't do a lot, which is heavily concentrated on three different teams. Here, I have uh, exposure to only three teams through seven rounds: the Bengals with Burrow, Mixon, and T, the Titans with Henry and Traylon Burks, and the Bills with Diggs and Gabe Davis. I think these teams make a lot of sense. Like it's not something you can naturally align a bunch, but I felt good building that team last time out, especially when I figured oh, I kind of have to deviate a little bit and get weird. I think your build also really appeals to my, like how I like teams looking. Um, so I think the, the kind of correlating on a bunch of teams early kind of makes sense if it aligns and you're not reaching for it all. For sure. That's, that's the rub, right? Like you're not, yeah. you're not reaching to overstack. I actually want to push back on William's comment here. And you know me, I'm I'm loath mm-hmm. to defend Spags. I actually think Unstack Tony makes the most sense of any of the Chiefs pass catchers. One, he doesn't run a ton of routes. And when they do use him, they're doing a lot of the gimmicky stuff. They are giving him into rounds. He doesn't seem like if in the scenarios where a Richie James or a Sky Moore or whatever are the league winners, like it's gonna be because they're catching bombs from Patrick Mahomes, I feel like the creativity with which they use Tony actually give him outs to being like a good unstacked pick where it's like, if you're playing that game, you know, in the same way, if a running back goes nuclear, like the passing game probably isn't those games. Joe Mixon has five touchdowns. Like the passing game's muted. It does seem like Tony could be inversely correlated with the rest of the offense where he has a couple of touchdowns in ways that, it kind of keeps everything else down. So I don't, I don't know. I don't mind on stack Tony. Yeah. I think he was saying too, because, and this is something I know some of the data guys have pointed out that if the QB goes ahead of the receivers, receivers tend to be naturally kind of inflated because people reaching to uh, complete the stack and all that. I tend to think that's a little bit overblown just because boy, I can't this guy's still taking running backs. <laughs> this is, I think we're going to get a nice team, Pete, because we are drafting differently than the one guy in the room who's took elite QBs and running backs. And uh, you, you lock into these rooms sometimes, but it does offer up some nice receiver values. Hopefully. Yeah, I know. We are getting some good receiver value. Let's see here. What do I want to do? This is kind of a weird spot of the room. I am going to go ahead and just grab Sutton. Uh, they're going to take Dalvin Cook. I thought this was going to be you being like, Dalvin's going to land somewhere good. I think it makes sense. I I took my, my second detour with Mixon there. Um, I will take Dalvin if he falls, uh, back to me here in the, in the early ninth. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I have, I have an idea in mind for what I'd like to do, but well, depends what the room allows. One, two, two, two people really got a nice spread out team so far. Lazard Lazard at 93. So I guess there was more of an avalanche that I gave credit to. Well, that goes back to, that was the thing I was talking. Was it that the exact example I used? I'd rather reach a couple picks ahead of ADP for digs than reach 25 picks yeah. ahead for Jacoby Myers. Just sub in for Alan Lazard. Like that is what happens. And I know R- River Rat's a good drafter, but the double elite tight end with only two wide receivers 
forces you into starting to make what I would consider suboptimal picks. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think there's a, definitely a trap you could fall into. So Dalvin goes there. All right. Um, I'm not going to put push Kirk too far. I want him here and Pete it's pick 97. I have Michael Pittman. We all know what that means. Time for a coffee pour. <laughs> Anthony Richardson. We did it. We did it. But the Play jersey the on Kirk Cousins and Michael and uh, Michael Pittman and Anthony Richardson are all on my team. You got to play the hits. Ah, feels good. Feels good to put on more layers of clothing in June. <laughs> ah, we're back. Mm-hmm. Night. How many? How many times have you taken Anthony Richardson after ADP? This has to be the first time. <laughs> uh, I get tempted more now because he does fall in some rooms. I saw somebody got him in one of uh, Pete's Discord channels at 120 yesterday, which. Oof, I had some palpitations <laughs> seeing that one. But now I'm mostly taking him, Pete, when he's a discount because, I've again, I'm still at 33% of them, so I have more than enough. Uh, I was going to take Tyler Boyd uh, there, but River Rat, who is getting buried by their own uh, avalanche, uh, had to take Tyler Boyd. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and draft uh, James Cook and continue with my Bills-heavy build. Yep, I think that that works for me. And uh, shout out to the chat as well. People asking, what's my exposure level now for AR? Uh, actually, lower than it was last week. I've not been going crazy on drafts, but in the BBM4, uh, I am at 34% Anthony Richardson, not including the century. So again, Pete, getting down to reasonable levels. I feel like if I'm at a third, that is aligned with my bet and probably even lower than I think the probability is of him hitting, which is normally how you would define ownership. What? Sorry, what did you say you're at right now? 33 that's honestly not as bad as I thought. Yeah. It's, I thought you were going to be over 50. No, no. I'm, I'm trying to time the pockets right where if he goes down a little bit, I'll take him a little bit more. If he goes up a little bit, I'll take him a little bit less. But I think I've now gotten more than enough configurations of him to feel pretty good uh, about my bet on him overall. But I still think to me, it's like I view him as having a 50% chance to have the success that I want to look for. And in DFS, I'd be like, oh, cool. You have 50% ownership. Obviously, in best ball, it's a little bit different. So if I have 25 to 33% AR, I feel like, that's still commensurate with my bet, but not going crazy, crazy. Yeah, I agree. Love Star says you got it. The jersey should be reserved for only when you have over fifty percent exposure. I think you got it. You got to take it off. <laughs> I think this is an unfair metric to have. I've been the person. I'm getting Pete. I'm getting Leone tweets now of him highlighting me as somebody as held up as an example of when you're gambling, but gambling from a place of knowledge because of my AR bets. So this is my brand now. Nobody can take this brand from me. Well, Spag, you saying that you're actually now waiting to get him um, in drafts in the correct pockets and stuff showed a lot of growth. Although you do enable yourself by being like, oh, Michael Pittman here in the fifth. Guess I got to take him. I wonder what that opens me up for later. It is a little bit like an addiction thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I'll have this non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> and then you get a taste for it and you're you know, right back on the right back on the sauce. But yes, I agree. If you take Pittman, you're almost definitely forecasting a little bit of AR coming your way. Exactly. No, this. Oops. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get refunded. Everything's at ADP for for our guy in the seven hole. Yeah, they. uh Anytime you can torch a lineup to get just a modicum of attention on stream, you got to do it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I had mentioned last draft that I wanted to. Hmm. Do I want to do that? I, I was, I'm thinking about the Daniel Jones backdoor stack stuff again. Um, yeah, let's do it. 
we're going to grab Daniel Jones here, eight picks past ADP. And then because uh, I'll have a few different avenues with all of those Giants players to uh, to get some stacks here. But will you get a Rams ring back? That's the question. I don't, I'm, uh, yeah, I could definitely be in the market for a Rams ring back. Definitely. Okay. I'm curious which one Puka. Uh, so Puka is apparently really winning some people over in camp, which is fun. Um, I, I think he's better than Tutu. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're different players though. You know, like Tutu is yeah. going to be used more as like a vertical, uh, threat in Puka. I think if he hits his ceiling, it's going to be like Robert Woods light, you know, where he's more of a possession receiver over, over the middle. So I don't, I don't think those guys, their success is necessarily inversely correlated. All right. I'm going to take Damian Harris here to start hitting running back. As I talked about, I do want to go on a little bit of a run potentially at running back. Anybody else? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to do what I did uh, talk about with Pete last stream. I think Eli Mitchell's a really nice zero RB or semi zero RB running back. And all these guys are going to get snaps. So it's a nice start, I think, for my team. Yeah, those are your team is like very similar. The zero RB build that I did last draft, where you kind of have the modified anchor with Sanders as the Dobbins, you get Mitchell, and then you start hammering uh, some of this guys in the sweet spot here. Yeah, I, I like the way this has started for I think both of us. I think we've this is how you take advantage of a room, I think, where you have somebody who's doing something out, you know, whether he's right or wrong, doing something unconventional at his spot. I think we both have worked the pockets pretty well and ended up with normal teams. And that's why, too, if you ever see a, a drafter going ape shit, like I had a guy who took 12 QBs in a league last year, did not get thrown out. Um, and I think it was on the big board. My team advanced, his did not. I think that's, you know, learning how to work these rooms is probably as big a skill as anything. You know what I'm about to do? I'm about to select a guy I have not selected yet. In BBM four, I need a Chiefs bring back. He's sitting here at ADP, my first Sky Moore share of wow. 2023. I think he's a decent pick at this ADP. Like he's apparently gonna be getting at least a shot to be in that, that three wide receiver set, which is a good thing for him. Um, just more snaps for him would be a big part of it because he just wasn't out there enough. But if he's gonna be out there running 40, 50 routes a game somehow, um, I would have no issue taking him in the 90s, even. Yeah. I mean, it is nice to get I mean, that last year. What we memed him up into the, yeah. into the seventies. But, uh, I do think like I've been taking Rashi rice. I have more Rashi rice than more just because Rashi was way cheaper to start. Um, but when you start to look at the ambiguity in this room and I mean, you can make a pretty easy case against Kadarius Tony. Um, I think he's still a good risk reward proposition, but it's not hard to be like Kadarius Tony could just be nada. And then all of a sudden, if that's the case, it's Travis Kelsey. And then what this massively ambiguous wide receiver room. I do like uh, Richie James late um, as well, but I, I want to be taking stabs on all these guys, even MBS. Uh, you know, these guys, can depending on how things shake out i think the ambiguity is our friend as far as how it's relating to their adps uh helen eckler 69 asking how exactly does an underdog draft get thrown out does it involve complaining loudly i know that's something that nick rudman is going to be on pete's randomizer this week has talked about a bunch but basically what they do is they will have an automated system that flags some stuff and then they also manually review every lineup as part of that um so that's what they've said on twitter but uh, you know pete if plug the randomizer then because maybe you'll spin the wheel and have to throw out a team at, at random yeah 
No, yeah, that is going to be very fun. Uh, I'll get that tweet up uh, either later today or tomorrow. And if you guys have fun prompts for Rudman that involve lifting things or protein powder or his love for the New England Patriots, you can get those marinating. But no, this is not a draft that throw out. They don't throw out drafts for people drafting poor structures. You know, they throw out drafts for people who are colluding or drafting twentieth round picks in the first round. You know, that's 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 how you get a draft thrown out. But just not knowing how to structure a team. No, we welcome those people in our drafts. It would be funny though, if one of the randomizer spins was Nick Rudman, throw out a draft at random <laughs> or, yeah. or pick sky more at uh, 101. Uh, I would say the, uh, the, uh, the conspiracy theorists would, uh, would not <laughs> enjoy that one. We should probably not give them uh fodder. No, perhaps not. Perhaps not. We'll see though. We do have some running backs going off the board, of course, uh, for our seven hole guy. And he did take his first receiver. So now he's going to go and run at receiver. We'll see what he does. I'm no way to save this team, but I'm intrigued. What, uh, what do they say? Shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> Something like that. The issue though is like this team. Uh, so I know it's not a good team. It could advance out of week 14. It just couldn't possibly win a tournament, which is something that I think people miss sometimes too. Yeah. All right. I'm going to be on the clock here at pick 140. Um, I have not selected a tight end yet. This is probably going to be a three tight end build. None of the kind of like premium zero RB targets have really slid here. So we've kind of wiped out a tier. I'm going to go ahead and grab Dalton Schultz. Um, I have that big bet on Tennessee uh, with Henry and Burks. And so we'll bring Schultz as a bring back for week 17, who also fills a positional need as well as an ADP value. Yeah. Dalton Schultz, I think is a player that's starting to get a little more hype around him in the, the data circles, because he's one of few guys that actually has a, uh, a, a lot of routes per game would be expected for him and B like he actually has a ceiling that he's shown in the past. Um, I don't hate Schultz. Like I also believe a little bit more, um, and CJ Stroud being a viable QB from day one, he's not going to be a rusher like AR. And he's probably not as good of like a pure game manager as a Bryce Young will be, but he was great in college and they've certainly tried to give him weapons. They've given him real NFL players around him at least. Yeah. I, and I, this was another thing I wrote about in the newsletter. I was talking about how there we've actually seen a ton of tight end fallers in ADP and they all fall in like the round eight to 14 range. So Waller has fallen a bit over the past couple of weeks. This is looking at ADP changes since the beginning of May. You also obviously see like the Dawson Knox, the Dalton Schultz, the Cole Komet. And I think this is drafters acknowledging a bit of a tight end dead zone where they either want the elite tight ends or they want the punt tight ends at the end of the draft. And so these guys in the middle are coming down. I still want to be targeting these guys, A, when they're in ADP value, now they're falling, and two, when I'm getting a correlation boost from it, which is what I got with this pick here. I think that guy took KJ Osborne early, so I can't get another Minnesota player. Um, it does feel like we're getting very frothy in this room at receiver. Mm. I've got Shark? four running backs. Yeah, I'm going to take taking Jalen Hyatt. Thank you. So I can take a different Giants wide receiver. Yeah, that wasn't an intentional snipe. I, it's like Thielen or Chark or Hyatt. I guess I prefer Hyatt, but I, I don't really. Yeah, I... I just like cost adjusted like Wandell Robinson and Slayton um, more. I yeah. am going to get my Irv Smith share here. Um, you know, I missed out on Boyd with Burrow, but I am getting my double stack here with Higgins and Irv Smith along with the Joe Mixon. And I do now have 
the bye week bros. I just want you all to know, I'm probably going to do a three tight end build. So just relax before you grab your pitchforks. But right now, as of the moment, both of my tight ends have the same bye week. It's crazy. I don't know what you're going to do with that one zero point week you would get at a position where there's zero point weeks left and right <laughs> throughout the entire season. The bye week bros, man, they're vicious. They're absolutely vicious. I could see being like mad if you post like a two QB bye week. And even then there's a couple that have come up. Like I know you and Corrine did the Hertz Stafford one. I've done that yeah. a couple of times as well. Like those are a little more egregious though, because you are going to miss out potentially on 20 points, but for tight end where it's so hard to get a good one anyway, I just wouldn't care that much. Yeah, I don't. And I know you don't, but I, for the people out there, you know, don't sweat <laughs> it too much if you are. Oof. Tough pocket of the room. Curtis Where Samuel going at 151. Not great. Man, I I like want, as someone who likes McLaurin, likes Dotson, likes Gibson, likes Sam Howell, I would think I would have a little bit more Curtis Samuel, you know, rounding out like double stacks. And I just never am able to get him. I feel like he just always goes like 10 picks ahead of where I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, he was one of those guys that I kind of filed away mentally as like, he's going to get cut. Like, everybody's saying he's going to get cut. They need to save some money. He didn't get cut, and now we're post-June 1. You know, that still is a window to get cut uh, before training camp starts. But feels like he's not going to be. And if anything, like, Samuel might be that Kadarius Tony route guy where he's running the rub routes and running those, like, kind of, you know, pre-snap motion routes. And he could actually have some value for Washington. So I might need to, like, reconfigure my brain a little bit because I, too, never take Curtis Samuel. But I, I think Washington's a perfectly viable stack. Yeah, I do too. And again, going back to those things of like the way I think about the commanders and the Steelers is there is a lot of volatility to how good those offenses are. And it really hinges on do Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett take a leap. And if they do, I do think you're going to see a pretty big rising tide situation. And in those scenarios, I think Curtis Samuel would definitely be a beneficiary of the commanders being a surprise offense this year. So I want to make sure with my kind of heavy Sam Howell and Washington exposure that I am getting some more Curtis Samuel teams. But he also falls in that range, right, Spags, where if he's always going at pick 140 to 150, you're sometimes getting a sliding Kendra Miller. You have all the Dolphins backs, the Bears backs. If you're doing zero RB rooms, your guy Tyler Algier goes there. So it does and that's why I like getting on different structures sometimes where it's like, I want to be in some spots where I need a wide receiver at 150 so I could get a Curtis Samuel share here and there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I definitely a pocket where I normally am taking running backs, which is part of why too. Like I didn't even feel comfortable with Jalen Hyatt that much because normally this is where I would take tank and, you know, I don't know, chase Brown or somebody like that. Uh, but yeah, Curtis Samuel guy that probably shouldn't have blinders on. And he honestly, you know, for that earlier question from Tyler, he could be a week 17 spike week guy just because it's a contrarian matchup where maybe you go to, um, you know, a gimmicky kind of play set. And that could be something where Curtis Samuel scores two touchdowns against San Francisco just because they can't get him through normal means. Yeah. He took Raheem Mostert again. So a Miami running back in every draft, you, you were holding up to that law. It is. I mean, it's just like it, it always fits so nicely, too, with basically any structure you're doing and where they go. Um, Mostert sliding uh, 10 picks past ADP here. Um, my running back room now, Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, James Cook, Raheem Mostert. This is still probably a five running back room, uh, but feel good about Mostert as my RB4. Yeah, I'm not sure. Thielen's still falling here. Okay, now he goes. Finally, somebody took the the falling knife that is Adam Thielen. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Um, 
two, four, six, one, no running backs. I want to take here. You know what? I am going to get chase Brown just because I could use a fifth running back at least. Um, and I, yeah, I do want a receiver with my other pick though. DJ Chark is now DJ Chark, 19 spots behind ADP or Tyquan Thornton. I mean, I love Tyquan Thornton, but I'm going to scoop the DJ Chark value if it was me. Okay. I think that's fair. And uh, yeah, I do have tank here. So a little week 17 correlation. So I'll take DJ Chark. And honestly, I would have taken him last time out potentially. So it's pretty nice that he fell to me here. Who? Uh, Chark. I was thinking about him or Hyatt. So I got both. Let's see here. We got Kyler falling in another draft, which is uh, a tale as old as time. Um, Hubbard comes off the board. I'm not going to select Tajay Spears with Derrick Henry. That is one of those handcuffing ones that doesn't make sense to me of I would need Henry to get hurt. Um, I guess I am going to take Tyquan Thornton. I have um, a big bet on Buffalo with Diggs, Gabe Davis, and James Cook. I'm going to need someone to speed up that game from New England in Week 17. Also, a little bonus uh, the Patriots play the Broncos in week 16 when I have Cortland Sutton there. So I think that selection makes some sense for me. Yeah. I, the Buffalo, New England, I think week 17 correlations. I feel like I put in a little bit more than I think the public does besides the Ramondre early one, if they get like Allen or Diggs. Um, and I think that Taekwondo to me is like a really nice spring back for a week 17 kind of play. Um, looking good in OTAs so far. I still think Juju is going to be ahead of him as an alpha dog, but in terms of outside receivers, if they cut Devontae Parker, there's nobody else left. Yeah, I mean, Taekwon and Juju play completely different positions. They're going to be used differently. Juju there to replace the Jacoby Meyer stuff and Taekwon Thornton. I mean, they've for years, they've looked for a field stretcher. Like literally since Randy Moss left the team, they've been hunting for a field stretcher. Taekwon Thornton has the speed to do that. And like you said, the OTA reports, granted, it confirms my prior, so I love it. Uh, but he is getting a ton of buzz from New England beat reporters right now. Yeah, and I would, you know, I'd couch it a little bit because Juju wasn't out there. And I think Parker wasn't going either. Um, but, you know, those are you know, two things that'll certainly pull from him a little bit. But the upside being there is the main thing for me. And again, you know, Buffalo, a defense that's still pretty good. So and should be sticky throughout the year because it's not like they're good out of turnovers only. Um, so Taekwon being a guy that gets those, you know, sort of plays drawn up from a week 17 would certainly be there. Um, and I just like Taekwon, too. Like, I think, you know, I don't like him as much as you do. People pointing out, um, I guess you got a min cash with him in the spy last year. So that's why that's why you have a blind spot for him. But uh for me, you know, I, I'm not a Taekwon stan or anything, but I think he's still undervalued, at, you know, going, even going in the 170s. The problem is, is, and this is where we were talking about the Curtis Samuel stuff. We were joking about the Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers. They're just the number, if we're being honest with ourselves, and you can make um, cases for guys based on correlation. We're just doing it with Curtis Samuel. But the type of profiles that historically can actually break out, the number of those that exist after round 10 is very small, like maybe five or six that like truly I think could do it. And I do think Taekwon Thornton fits um, a breakout profile. And I mean, the cost is still so cheap. I'm, I envision Taekwon Thornton rising a good two to three rounds um, from where he is now. I think we're going to get pretty good closing line value on him. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're talking Taekwon, even compared to like the Jalen Hyatt thing, I don't think I would have a hard time clicking Taekwon if he were in the one forties. But like Jalen Hyatt, I did. So it does feel to me like Taekwon going in this Samuel, DPJ, KJ Osborne range wouldn't be totally insane. Yeah, I mean, that in that tier is so flat, right? Like looking at the board, 
Um, basically after like the Jaden Reed, Alec Pierce's come off, um, to me in that, yeah, the, right where you referenced it right at like 145 to 155, there's no reason he shouldn't be there with Hyatt, DPJ, Mims, Samuel. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I'm actually, I'm fully on board with hammering Taekwondo until he gets there. Cause I just don't see how he doesn't get there. Um, like he should like him going next to Robert Woods is an affront to Taekwondo Thornton. We do finally see uh, Dawson Knox go at a reasonable price. I mean, he has been, talk about a slider. I mean, people are out here getting Dawson Knox at pick 200 uh, right now. Some absolute crazy stuff there with him. Yeah, I, I agree. And Terrace Marshall going in the 16th here to our, our unconventional draft in the seven hole. But um, that to me is also probably where Terrace Marshall should go. Um, yeah, maybe even better if the camp reports get there. He can be in that Taekwon range that we just talked about. Hmm. What am I? I'm going to end up having to get creative with my final running back selection. You guys um, absolutely wiped out all of my Giants wide receivers. Normally there's like eight of them to draft. So I am going to just have to reach here a little bit and get Darius Slayton. So I lock up one stack with uh, with Danny Dimes. Yeah, Slayton still, I think, my favorite cost adjusted guy out of all of them. Like I know you're a little more on the Wandale side, but. Slayton plays a role that nobody else can really play. Maybe Hodgins, but even still, it's just not the same downfield kind of threat. Yeah. Um, I Ideally, I was hoping to get two Giants wide receivers, but uh, they they all went. So I'm, I'm going to be just left with uh, Slayton, I believe, here. I have two more picks. I'm at a 2-4-8-2, and I'm probably going to be a fifth running back and a third tight end. And I've got three more at a 2-5-7-1, so definitely want to get one more tight end. Um, but with some flexibility besides that, uh, let's see, what do we have here? Cincinnati, KC, Minnesota, Green Bay, Seattle, Pittsburgh, nothing here. So I get so much Jelani Woods, and I think that that might be a mistake overall relative to the portfolio because he doesn't have a sure thing role in Indianapolis with Richardson. So I am actually going to take, uh, Michael Mayer here for my second tight end, uh, to go with Hawkinson. And then I think we saw everybody else from. Yeah, I think Downs already went, right? Yeah, Downs went ahead of ADP. Um, hmm. Running back, there's nothing left. I know. I have one guy starred that I'm going to do. That's like the one guy I could tell myself a story on here late, but it's gross right now. I'm taking CEH. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going gross too. I don't think I need him, but positive camp reports and – Playing for his next contract, whether it be in KC or elsewhere, probably elsewhere, um, I'll take CH in the 17th round and don't love it. Yeah, and like at the top of Pat's ranks right now, I see the Zeke Fournette, and I I fully agree. You are going to get closing line value when those guys sign. Like regardless of where they sign, they're going to move up a couple rounds. But I just don't care about closing line value for players that suck. The one running back that I'm going to take here, um, just because I think I'll be able to get whatever tight end I want with my last pick, the one guy, and Evan Silva is, uh, I would say, egregiously high on him, but I do think directionally accurate with Ty Chandler on Minnesota. And this this is the type of pick that has the chance to burn you. It could just be Dwayne McBride, who's the RB2 um, there. But I think Chandler is a bit different of a player than Alexander Madison and Dwayne McBride. I think he would be kind of the pass-catching back, change of pace back there. And uh, I think he is a guy that once Dalvin Cook is officially cut and or traded. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be and traded uh, or traded. Ty Chandler is going to move up 
I think, into the Jalen Warren range. So uh, he's like the one late running back that I feel won't hit me with a dead roster spot right now. Would you, is the Silva stuff enough for you to like him more than Dwayne McBride, or are you still mostly agnostic in terms of them? So my only thought on the Chandler, and I kind of just said it, is that I think McBride profiles very similar to Madison as like right. not a great pass catcher, didn't catch passes a lot in college. I do think he, like if, if cut, if, if cook is let go and Madison was the lead back and got hurt, I think you would see a split between McBride and Chandler. But I do think that Chandler has the better chance of having standalone value right out of the gate. Also, the ultimate trump card, Sean Siegel loves Ty Chandler. So uh, that always makes me feel good. And I think he's going to be one of Sean's main zero RB targets this year. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I guess I, I could see it. I just, I like McBride so much as like a pure rusher with his college profile, but he did play at yeah. UAB and, you know, wasn't that good. So um, probably a good idea if you are taking some McBride to at least get an even amount of Chandler on the other side. And, and I'll say like, I'm fully admitting this, this is why I normally don't like taking a running back in this range because it could absolutely be McBride. And it's the same dynamic with, there's other examples of this, right? The Bengals backup running back. We all like Chase Brown, but it could, some of the buzz is that it could be Travion Williams, which would be a rehash of last year's, you know, Samaj P. Ryan versus uh, whoever the back was that we were we were targeting there. And same thing with the Cowboys. Once we know who the Cowboys RB2 is, that back is going to go in the 14th or 15th round. Right now, all the three backs are going undrafted because we don't know. So you're paying, you're playing a little bit with fire here. It could absolutely be Dwayne McBride. Um, but once Cook is released, you are going to get closing line value on both of those guys, right? Both Chandler and McBride will move up there. And so I'm just gambling a little bit that I'm guessing it's the right one. I think that makes sense. They also, uh, Dallas gave a quote recently about, oh, we, ha we have a big back already here. And it was like some name I hadn't heard of, Hunter something was the guy. And he's not even on their depth chart. So it must be a practice squad guy. But they didn't mention Rojo as part of that too, where it's like, oh, we got this Hunter guy. Now we got Rojo from KC and he's a big back. So I think Rojo should get drafted more often than he does. Yeah. I think I'm team Malik Davis right now, but I feel like I changed my mind uh, most days. Uh, I was going to take Hunter Henry. Uh, someone took him, so I'll just tack on uh, Mike Gesicki. I'm just trying to re replicate Pat's winning team. You draft Tyquan <laughs> Thornton, you draft Mike Gesicki, and then you get $2 million, I think is how it works. Gesicki in the 18th round is not that bad, going after Henry especially. Yeah, mm. I think I... I think Henry, again, we talk about like riskier spots like this Chandler Gasicki. These have both a chance of just being completely dead picks. I think Henry has a better chance of just being on the field. Um, but Henry was gone and I am kind of correlating in that bring back with my big Buffalo bet. Dwayne McBride goes there. So I have a two, six, seven, two. So I think this is a luxury pick. I think I'm going to reach a receiver though. For what? Ah. <sighs> What correlates at this point? NDKC, I got Cincinnati. Oh, you know what? A Ram would correlate here with my Jalen Hyatt. So I'm actually going to do that because I don't definitely don't need another running back. And I am going to take Puka Nakua here. Wonderful phrase, Pete. Puka Nakua. Was, uh, was Tutu still on the board? Were you debating between those two? No, I honestly, I'm... No, Tutu's not on the board. Somebody took Tutu, but I wouldn't oh, have wow. taken him anyway. Yeah, I prefer Puka personally. And what was your, I was surprised too. I think you could have made a case. This is the second draft in a row where I think you could have made the case for the three tight end, especially with Jelani Woods stacked with your Richardson. 
I just have so much Nalani Woods, and I am starting to worry that it's going to be like Mo Ali Cox or somebody who gets there, um, and that's going to be really bad to me. So uh, Will Mallory's there. Kylan Grant has been running with the first team while all these guys are hurt, so definitely not great. But Pete, uh, if you want to read your team, please service them. I don't need to make fun of your team today because I think you we we both drafted solid teams. Yeah, I mean, this one, uh, I, I don't, I liked my team. I don't think I stuck the landing. I think there's lots of things you can nitpick with this draft. Um, you know, I have Joe Burrow and Daniel Jones. Uh, Burrow I took at ADP, but it was a bit of a weird room with the running backs. I think you could have made the argument for me to push it a little bit more and just rock T. Higgins without Burrow. Um, I did get Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, James Cook, Raheem Mostert, Ty Chandler. Feel fine about the running back room other than the RB5. I've been trying to avoid the kind of dicey RB2, RB3 situations that could really just leave a zero on your roster, so I don't love that. Uh, didn't mind how I recovered at wide receiver, though, despite the Mixon and Henry detours. I got Diggs, T. Higgins, Traylon Burks, Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, Sky Moore, Tyquan Thornton, Darius Slayton. So getting a bit of a bring back there in Sky for my big Bengals bet. And then my tight ends or whatever. Like when you go three cheap tight ends, it's like hard to poke holes in it because you spent so little capital. But Dalton Schultz, Irv Smith stacked with Burrow and Mike Gesicki. I think it's fine. It's not the not the best team I've drafted, though. I'm not like running to show people this one. I love that now that you you've ripped off the band-aid of three tight ends and now you're just drafting them left and right, telling me to draft three tight ends. You're, you're definitely more in on them than you've ever been at any other point. Well, here's here's honestly how I think about it. I I think that in most drafts through seven or eight rounds, you have room for basically two detours. And that can either be um like a second running back, an elite tight end, or an elite quarterback. And a lot of times early in the draft season, one of those detours for me was the elite tight end. But if I do want to get that second running back, Joe Mixon correlated with Burrow, or I want to get that elite quarterback in this case, Burrow, I've now already kind of used up my two detours. I'm not going to be able to do an elite tight end. Then you're catching up at wide receiver. So you can't get a luxury, you know, Friar Muth, Najoku pick. And you are naturally, I think, forced to the late tight end builds. Where I've actually changed is old me probably would have just done Dalton Schultz and Irv Smith and stopped and just been like, whatever, I'll go thin at tight end. And now what I'm coming around on is these third tight ends being stronger bets than a lot of the flyer wide receivers. Gesicki doesn't necessarily fit that mold though. And that's why I don't like this team. I, I would rather have Hunter Henry to firm up that bet. But yes, that is kind of my thought process with three tight end builds in general. Did you hear Gesicki's running out of the slot, Pete? It's looking pretty, pretty good. I know, him. which, but isn't that like the same thing we heard forever when he was yes. in Miami? Uh, that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> and also without Juju going out there too, I think it probably does make a, a little easier for Gesicki to be running slot routes. So my final team, Kirk Cousins, Anthony Richardson at QB. Uh, no bye week issues there. Running back, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, Eli Mitchell, Tank Bigsby, Chase Brown, and CEH. I honestly might not need needed CEH, but I took him. Uh, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Christian Watson, Michael Pittman, Kadarius, Tony, Jalen Hyatt, DJ Chark, and Puka Nakua at receiver. And a tight end, I didn't realize I have a double week 13 tight end uh, buy here. TJ uh -oh. Hawkins and Michael Mayer. So should have taken tisk, the third. Tisk, tisk, I tisk. I am ashamed, guys. But what would make me less ashamed is if you guys subscribe to the channel. And Pete, I don't even know if you remember this, but you did say if you get to 15,000 subs on your channel, we get to 3,000 here on Splash Play that Pete would lock himself in to do a little boozy show for us. So I am going to throw that back out there. I've forgotten to promote it the last few weeks, but get us to 3,000 subs on here, and Pete and I will get blasted, and then we'll be we'll be negligent in our care for our children. 
Yeah, I uh, I keep making like all these the I, basically what I'm gonna have to start doing with these streams is like killing multiple birds with one stone. Like I'm gonna be like, okay, Spags, I did agree to do this drinking stream, but I'm also behind on my underdog cardio club streams, so I'm gonna be drinking while running on a treadmill while we draft. That's what's gonna end up happening to me at the end of the summer. Which would be the peak of content. That's really the apex you've strived for <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> exactly. Just me throwing up on stream, I, I think, would be ratings gold. So make sure to follow me at Chris Spags. Follow Pete at Peter Overzet. Follow the show at Splash Play Pod. And again, tomorrow, check out the 4 for 4 channel. Our boy John Daigle's having us on uh, 3 p.m. I believe East Coast time will be the time on there. So go check that out. That'll be a lot of fun hanging out with Daigle, who's uh, clearly working really hard out there, doing all the content. So I'm happy to give a, a little bit of a bump there and ride Pete's bump more so. And Pete, your plugs one more time, of course. You have a lot of great stuff going on here that people just, might not even realize. Just a classic Spags promotion there. You know, uh, a backhanded compliment to say, implying that Daigle's struggling over there, that we're going to give him a bump, but then also caveating that it's more of my bump and not so much your bump. Just a classic Spags plug. Yes, I will be back. Um, I need to check in with the guys from the club today. I think Andy actually wants to draft a best ball mania team. So we might get draft number 41 this afternoon. Also we'll be in the fantasy life discord at uh 3 30 PM to do my weekly office hours have been having a lot of fun in there chatting about stuff. So if you guys want to come talk about ADP risers, week 17 correlation, any of that good stuff. And then like Spack said, uh, tomorrow double header best ball breakfast with Sean and Pat followed by the swole cast. I think we're going to draft and then spags and I over on four, four. So just literally you could get probably what six more BBM drafts from me in the next 24 hours. That's pretty crazy. That is a hectic schedule of content. You are in your July content schedule from August really uh, here so far in June. I think by the end of the week, um, I, I should be getting close to 50 by the end of the week. I think by early next week, by next week's best ball breakfast, I think I'll be a third of the way done. Yeah. I'm keeping pace aligned with you. Not for any particular reason, just kind of naturally. So I'm at 48, I think now after these drafts today. Uh, so I feel pretty good about where we are. I haven't been doing any puppies. I just don't have the mental bandwidth to draft too much more at this point. You know what? I did one. Uh, it was my first uh, puppy two draft, I believe, or maybe second. I went, I took April on a walk uh, this morning and did a little little puppy walk-in draft. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I did max the chows. Uh, so those mm. 15, but yes, I, ha I haven't, even like at the end of the day, even because I can't draft a team that's not best ball mania, you would think I would have that itch, but I'm like, I'm just the Jimmy Butler meme, just exhausted. And I'm like, oh, I'll just save it for the stream. Yeah. Over the weekend, I was like, I could draft one. And I was like, what, why? I'll just, <laughs> I've drafted enough. I'll, I'll be good. But either way, we are drafting a bunch of teams here. Of course, plan underdog, use that promo code splash and all that stuff. We'll be back to you guys again soon. Enjoy your weeks. And of course, good luck. Bye. <laughs>